guess I'm not really sure. I'm going to spit this out. Hunt, did you get expelled? No, the school would most likely contact you in the event of my expulsion. Well, I was just asking. It seemed plausible. What, do you need a large amount of money? No. Legal counsel? Not, I'm not asking for anything. Except for maybe mercy. Like it would be free and sweet if no one hit me. Well, what have you done, Junebug? Did you hit someone with the Previa? No. Dude, I think it's best to just tell him. I'm pregnant. Oh, God. Yeah, but I, I'm going to give it up for adoption. And I already found the perfect couple. They're going to pay for the medical expenses and everything. And, and what, 30 or odd weeks, we can just pretend that this never happened. You're pregnant? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And if it is any consolation, I have heartburn that is radiating my kneecaps. And I haven't taken it since Wednesday. Morning. I didn't even know you were sexually active. I... You're thinking about adoption? Yeah, yeah. And it, there's this couple, they haven't had, you know, they, they've been trying to have a kid for like five years. You found them in the penny saver next to the exotic birds? And they have a legitimate lawyer, and I was going to go meet with them next weekend. Junebug, that is a tough, tough thing to do. It's probably tougher than you can understand right now. No, I... I know. And I, it's just that I'm not ready to be a mom. Do you know I'm coming with you to meet this adoption couple? You're just a kid, and I want you to get ripped off by a couple of baby-starved wingnuts. Emerson Radio Program. It's three minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and this the month of April in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along, making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, thank you for joining us. It is Wednesday, and welcome to uh, Day 12. It's 503 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, 2970 with your comments, clarifications, kvetches, two cents, observations about how weird it is that Juno's dad is also shilling her from Oz and is also the yellow M&M. It's 503-733-2970, 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane. And let me just say this about Richie's face. I know that it seems like we're on a little bit of a Richie's face jag recently, but it is what's happening in our world. The thing about it is, this morning there was nowhere I could go where I wasn't confronted with the face of Richie beaming. I would walk into him in the hallway, I would go into him in the kitchen, and he would be sort of explaining to somebody the procedure by which he was operating on himself. Oh, he looks I, a lot better He does today. Look I better. mean, it's, it's, the swelling's almost totally down. And then I went to three different cubicles today just by sheer happenstance, and there were sales dudes gathered around and going, oh, look at it. It's gnarly. Like all watching it and then rewinding to their favorite parts. Richie does sort of leer out from all kinds of computers in the building now like some sort of infected big brother. Didn't he say that that video now has been seen like thousands of times? Yes, Sarah. You might call it a viral sensation. Ah! Uh! Yeah! 
That's right. That's the kind of trademark wit you can expect here on the Rick Emerson Show. I was planning to use that joke later, but I'm glad you gave me a little ramp up right there. It's fantastic. Now, he looks like... He, it's like it's like he's some sort of... It's like he's some sort of pus-laden Orwellian figure. Sometimes it's like Richie isn't even really real. It's like a Scotty J. <laughs> That's true you know, as well. I think, I think people think sometimes that we must be making these people up. We're, we're, we're really not. It does seem Richie, not unlike Scotty J before him, but even more so, uh, Richie, while being exceptionally good at his job, it does seem like something that we sort of conjured, something that was sort of created by a wacky sitcom neighbor-creating focus group. All right. Well, in any event, uh, if you want to uh, speak with us, uh, Richie Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to take your call today. It's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. As of today, we are now less than one month away from Rick Emerson listening to Party 11. Uh, Emerson's 11 happening Thursday, uh, April 15th. 8 p.m. at the Crystal Ballroom. And I think I'm going to quit calling it Rick Emerson Listener Party 11, because then I say Emerson's 11, and then it just sounds redundant. So I'm going to call it from now from now on, from this moment forward, uh, we're going to call it uh, Listener Party 2008, uh, Emerson's 11. Now, some artwork for that is already posted. If you go to um, rickemerson.com, and I think there's going to be a photo gallery uh, posted on the station website uh, a little later on today, uh, some of the artwork has already be- begun arriving for this. Uh, submissions of all manner, shapes, and sizes coming in. And so at the end of the week, we will uh, select the graphic, the logo, the artwork, the image, whatever it is uh, that's going to represent the party. And if we choose yours, uh, you want a little something nice from the prize closet and uh, the assembled admiration of your peers. So uh, you can submit that at 970.am. 970.am. By the way, special uh, notice must be given uh, to this guy, Sean, who I think on the um, space, is he calls himself... It's like an acronym. It's G G W I G I W G W I. Oh yeah. So that guy, and he created what really must be called a truly horrific and disturbing photograph of. It's like one of those. What are those things called? Suckling pigs. What? Are, I don't even know what they're suckling exactly. I don't really know. I'm not gonna get bogged down. But you know, one of those pigs with the apple in its mouth, uh-huh. where they, which is one of those things you only. It's like a it's like a, a food that you only see depicted in the films. It, it, one of those things that you don't think anybody really orders in real life. Here's another thing that I've never seen anybody order in real life. Baked Alaska. I have never in my whole... I mean, I've been here for 35 years kicking around this old planet, and I've never been with anybody who ordered Baked Alaska. It's a thing that's only ordered in 1940s noir films. Anyway, uh, so you get that thing at the restaurant where they bring the pig out, and there's like an apple shoved into its mouth. So he's... I must take great pains to note that it's not actually my torso or body he's showing here, but it's my head grafted onto the body of some large person who is in turn curled up on a silver like serving tray with an apple in its mouth. And so if you go to the uh, the MySpace... That is totally, totally disturbing. And Do you want to see it? And you'll note that any number of people on my MySpace have changed that to their profile pic. So I think that there's I th- there was some sort of movement afoot. I don't know if it's still happening. There's something where everybody got together, and they, they all decided, that's exactly, are you oh. showing it? Yeah, that, <laughs> that's exactly the reaction I was hoping for, Tim. <laughs> is that a baby? Just shaking. I, is it? I is mean, it a I ba- don't know. It looks like a fat I assumed baby. it was from some sort of fat porn site. You know what I mean? Porn for the porn for the poor sign? I don't, but I don't, I've never but, seen it. 
That Giant being said, I don't, fat I don't really know. So, but there's some sort of movement on MySpace where it, you know, all the folks who frequent the MySpace page are changing that to their profile picture, their profile picture to that. So there's, I don't know, the last time that I checked, totally messed up. I counted like 9, 10, 12 people who now all have that as their profile picture. There's some sort of viral thing happening with that. So, uh, anyway, so you can go to rickemerson.com. You can check out the uh, the logos that have been submitted for Rick Emerson Listener Party, E11, Emerson's 11. You can uh, submit your logo uh, at the station website, 970.am. And we'll uh, try to get something picked, uh, I don't know, by the end of the week. So you can go uh, check them out. As always, the listening audience does, uh, they sort of continue to amaze all of us with their artistic acumen. Because some of them are great. Some of them are uh, great idea. Uh, execution is maybe a little bit ragged. Some of them have both. Some of them have neither. And then there's this one that doesn't make any sense. There's this one, if you go to the very bottom... There's the Emerson's I'm 11. dirty for looking at this. There's the Emerson's 11 one where it looks like the 7-Eleven logo, which I quite like. But look at the look at the very bottom one. Oh. And Tim, you should look at this too. It's not uh, it's not evil or vile or nude in any way. Look so at the, for the bottom. Look at the very last one, the very last listener party logo that's at RickEmerson.com. Just take a good long look at that. I'm not. Wait, the the. It's right below the 7-Eleven logo. I pull the seven. Well, there's two of them. No. What are you What are you looking at? Oh, you're on the MySpace. No, you're on my MySpace. Right? Oh, where am I supposed I'm to be? I'm talking about RickEmerson.com. Rick Emerson. It's a difficult. There where's too many of those. There's too many things to keep track of. Now I haven't even checked the MySpace. So I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, no, if you go to RickEmerson.com, eh, oh, there's that's a whole cool. There's a whole list. So look at the very last one from today's uh, blog posting. Just take a good long look at that. Tell me if anything jumps out at you. That doesn't look like Sarah X. Dillon. Bridget and I uh, sat and stared at that. I think those photos, by the way, from the Likest Listener Party. I think that's where the guy got those. Okay. Does anything... Do you notice anything about that? Are well, you... Well, it's, it, it has a V and a 1, which would indicate a 6. That's what I'm talking about. It oh, says, okay. It says, it says Emerson's 11. And it, I realize now we're describing a thing on a website. You have to check this out when you get a chance. It's rickemerson.com. Bridget came in last night, and she was like, hey, check out this listener submission we just got. And I brought it up on the screen, and I didn't spot it. I kept waiting for the second half of it to load. I kept thinking the V was actually an X, but, like, the lower half of the graphic just hadn't loaded. Oh, okay. And so I sat and looked at it, and it's the great thing about it is... They clearly spent a lot of time putting it together. It's got this great, very clean look to it. It's got a good, you know, they, it's got a good color scheme. It's red and black and white. It's got some photos of us that were carefully chosen. The original was like this ultra high resolution picture. I mean, it was like a meg and a half. It was massive. But then in the it says Emerson's Eleven with our faces, and then in the background are these huge, beautiful, towering Roman numerals that say six. So I don't know if it's like. It reminds me of the Spinal Tap thing where they put all the work into the Stonehenge and then it comes out of the ceiling and it's 11 inches high. So I'm unclear whether there's some sort of joke or reference there that I'm missing or whether they really did put all that work into it and then got the Roman numerals well, completely this one's wrong. Well, pretty cool. Which one? The one with all the feet and it says Rick Emerson, the talent. Sarah Phil and the producer. Tim where it's, uh, each of the silhouettes. is One of the silhouettes is Boba Fett. It's the, it's the Clooney Emerson's 11 one. Uh, but it's, the silhouettes are Boba Fett, Indiana Jones, a Transformer, and Batman, I think. That one's pretty great That's as well. That's pretty darn cool. Anyway, so we can get a chance. Go all to the Rick... ones with our heads superimposed on things are kind of creepy. Well, because, and because it's all like disembodied photos of us that they yanked and off of different pages. 
totally ages. old pictures. This is a picture from me like four years ago. So really, I guess that's our fault considering we don't have any new pictures. We really do need to get staff photos taken at some point because all of our pictures are from like 2001. Uh, in any event, go to rickemerson.com. Check those out when you get a chance. Uh, and we'll try to pick the logo by the end of this week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, here's what's coming up today. Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us from New York City where I think a guy... Let me make sure that I get this correct. I think there was a guy at Shea Stadium who... I may be wrong about this, but I I think I'm I think I'm correct in snickering a little because I think he was at a baseball game and I think he tried to slide down an escalator that was four stories above the ground, and I don't think that worked out. I think it ended up being a faster trip than he thought it was going to be. Uh, so oh, I think I read about that. Yeah, it's fantastic. Mm. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Pope visit. The Pope had a really stunning announcement today. I guess he's made a real breakthrough. They've announced that they're not going to hire pedophiles to be priests. They're boldly stepping into the 1930s. Well, they may use temps. <laughs> there we go. If you're express personnel, will be uh, will be giving them most of their clergifying from now on. Uh, let's see. Bob Costantini will join us today. We'll talk to CNN radio correspondent James Roop. Uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com will be here. Uh, let's see, what else? Top five guitar pop songs. Uh, Chris Paddock, a program director from KUFO, and I were worrying about this this morning, how we were going to put this together, because it was a... It was a great idea that came to me last night, and I couldn't quite get a handle on it because it is such a weird sort of amorphous type of music. Uh, guitar pop is just sort of, it's one of those things that you, it's difficult to identify, but you kind of know it when you hear it. So he and I spent really a disproportionate and inordinate amount of time this morning uh, kind of hacking this list together. So uh, coming up later on the program, we will do the top five uh, guitar pop songs of all time. What else? Uh, well, and a bunch of other stuff uh, here to my right. Uh, so we'll get these uh, things over here, your telephone calls, and uh, so forth. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. Stranded Chicago subway riders revolt, and they pass out and vomit. A cross-dresser is arrested after crashing his car through a lingerie store, which refused to hire him. Chelsea Clinton spends her day with 2,000 guys dressed in dresses in Portland over the weekend. Madonna's husband started eating cookies and then stopped wanting sex. Hillary and Obama debate tonight. She still leads in the polls here, but not as much as before. Uh, sorry about all those pedophile priests, says the visiting Pope. Bill Cosby denies yesterday's story, claiming he's doing a rap album. And a truck thief dies when the truck runs over his head. Well done. Is that a Darwin watch? It is. Excellent. Uh, what else is coming up? We have a Taser watch today. Uh, we have a uh, geek watch. I think we have a religious nutcase watch uh, and some other crap. So uh, that is all on the way. Uh, your phone calls and more. Joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Why, hello, and how are you? I am very, very well. Newly bespectacled? It's true. I love my glasses. Okay, so these are, so you you got glasses last what, last week? Yeah, like a couple weeks ago. But these are new frames, or different frames. These are frames that I... I found these frames when I was in um, Las Vegas, uh, and they're, like, clear... There's, like, vanity glasses. Yeah, they're, like... um, Yeah, they were just regular glasses, and I found them, and they're, like, clear and bubbly and weird-looking, and I really, really like them. So I brought them into um, the eye place yesterday, and they were able to put my prescription into them, so now I have brand-new, fun glasses. So, And you've noted... And I think they look really great, but I think you've noticed that... What did you say this morning that none of the women in the building commented on them well, at all? Well, I don't see any women. It's just all men. Well, I mean, that's what I was saying. Even when I was in Vegas and wearing them and they didn't have my prescription in them yet, like, people would stop me on the street and be like, I love your glasses. And it was always guys. It was weird. Like, every single person like, I love those. Where'd you get those? Blah, blah, blah. So. You know um, what it is? It's because they're, uh, it's cause they're sort of large and they don't try to. I think a lot of times, here's the thing. I think when women get glasses sometimes, they try to go for glasses that are really, really understated so you almost don't notice that they're wearing them. Because I think some women. 
maybe they have to wear glasses or they can't wear contacts or they just or they you know they sometimes wear glasses and sometimes don't but when they wear them they try to find glasses that are really sort of subtle almost as though you won't see that they have them on and those glasses are really sort of big and obvious and great and I think guys kind of respond I think guys kind of dig that when you sort of I embrace love it. them they are exactly when I when I first realized that I needed to get glasses they are exactly what I wanted but I wasn't able to find them anywhere and I found them in a gift shop at the Hard Rock Cafe really here's the thing so coupled with that and then you are resplendent in your I believe in Harvey Dent t-shirt uh, today courtesy of Mailman Chris yes thank you Mailman Chris it fits perfectly so really, uh, I'm going to wear this all day today I don't mean to sound creepy, but you really have to, have to get a photo of yourself today and put it up somewhere. Okay. I mean, really, between the glasses and the and the Dark Knight t-shirt, uh, you really have to get a photograph taken. You have to get that up. You have to get that up. It's a good look for you today. Thank you. Um, let's see. Speaking of nerds, and then we'll go back to you and your glasses uh, here in just a second. Is that photograph you sent me this morning posted somewhere? No. Can you... Uh, I uh, I guess I can do it during the break. But I was gonna, I was gonna post it on my blog, or you could post it on your blog or something. I'll post it on my. Because I want to talk about that in just a second. Uh, but speaking of nerd stuff, uh, we'll uh, break here uh, towards the bottom of the hour. We'll come back with Steve Castamon, some other things. Uh, so two things. One coming up. What is today? Wednesday. So coming up the day after tomorrow, uh, we are gonna have. Not only Aaron Duran in the studio, but we're going to have two of those kids who made that shot-for-shot Raiders of the Lost Ark adaptation, uh, which is going to be playing this Friday and Saturday at the Hollywood Theater. So if you haven't heard about this... Are they no longer longer children? I think they're older than I am, actually. I think they might be in their 40s. Because uh, because they started it... If you don't know what we're talking about, it's pretty great. It was in 1981 in, I think, Mississippi, where these three kids with one of those like big-ass, huge... So-called handy cams of the time, where it was like the, the, it was the home video cassette camera, but it was, it was like as big as a car. Um, in 1981, these three friends started making a shot-for-shot recreation of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, not like not a summary, not some sort of a condensed version of it. I mean, it was a full hour and 55 minutes or whatever it is. But they were doing it like with just crap they had laying around their house in Mississippi, and it took them, I think, either seven or nine years to do it. And so they ended up making the entire... And so they start the film, and they're all about 12 years old. And at the end of the movie, they're all like 20. Um, but they but they did it. They, they, they stuck to it, and they is created a... full length? Like, it feature the, length? No, it is a shot-for-shot recreation I of the entire so film. I excited to see this. Uh, and it sort of... It, they filmed it, and then they stuck it, like, in a box in the garage, and everybody sort of forgot about it. And... But the, the, word of mouth had kind of spread from friend to friend and person to person that this film existed. It got uncovered a couple years ago. I think Lucas and Spielberg have both seen it. There's a movie actually being made about the kids. Anyway, long story short, uh, they're going to be doing the uh, the premiere of that film, the Raiders of the Lost Ark adaptation as made by these kids in 1981. They're going to be showing that this weekend at the Hollywood Theater. And on Friday, we're going to have two of the kids in two of the guys in, who, who made this when they were kids. Well, because in my head, they're all still like 10 years old. So uh, we'll be talking to them on Friday. Other geek news, uh, next Friday. In other words, not this coming Friday, but next Friday. God, next week is the really Friday busy. after this Friday. Yes, that, Tim. It should be next Friday. I never know how the next and last thing works. You know what it is? It's like when it's April and people talk about last March, which was just like three weeks ago. To me, last March is March of 2007. This is a thing no one else yeah. cares about. Let me also say this, speaking of things that nobody else cares about, I think that there ought to be some other thing that is measured by the unit of a ream. Because there's a ream of paper, but I really think there ought to be a ream of something else. Talk amongst yourselves. 
So this is going to be a busy couple of days, though, because we get the Raiders of the Lost Ark guys coming in Friday. Uh, Monday, we're going to talk to Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Tuesday, uh, we're talking to uh, comedian Charlie Murphy, who's going to be in town. And we just confirmed this morning, next Friday... Uh, not this coming Friday. Next Friday, a week from Friday, Jonathan Colton uh, of Code Monkey fame, uh, Thing a Week fame guy. A lot of the geeks know who he is. He does uh, he's sort of an online independent sort of geek music artist. Um, but most notable for doing the theme song to the TV show Code Monkeys, uh, he's going to be in the studio with us uh, a week from Friday uh, before his show at the Mission Theater. So it's all very exciting. It's very exciting. All right. Uh, and by the way, here's a little uh, confidential to Tim Riley. You'll be happy to note that I was looking out my window last night and walking by the street of my house I saw two people with big jackets on and the back of it in huge letters it just said parole officer. There you go Tim. I don't know where they were going I'm assuming it was somewhere near me because they parked right in front of my house, which is always a little disconcerting. So big, like a like a powder blue city vehicle of some kind, parked in front of my house. Two people get out, and it's just like in that uh, in Harrison for the Fugitive, where the guys, the jackets, it says like U.S. Marshal in big letters in the back. Both of them got out and just in big letters in the back of their jackets just said parole officer, gigantic lettering. So yet another Excellent. thing you don't experience in the suburbs, Tim. I don't. All right, do you have this photograph posted? I put it up, yeah. Is this at SarahXDillon.com? It sure is. All right, so you and I were talking yesterday about your sunglasses, and I forget exactly why, because I guess you purchased another pair. or you I were... purchased three pairs when I was in You purchased three pairs. So I have a problem. I have a problem. So how many pair of sunglasses total would you say you own? And these are not prescription sunglasses. These are just regular sunglasses. How many pair of sunglasses would you say you own? Do you know? Like, do you know the exact number and you're just pretending you don't? No, I've, I've estimated before. I went about like 50 or 60. So how many, and this is a photograph you took and sent to me this morning, and this is just a, a partial shot? Yeah, these are, because I have sunglasses like in my, like some purses and, uh-huh. you know, in my room and some in my car. So they're about, um, this is a picture of about 40 of them. This so is, I like the blue starry-eyed ones. So I'm, I'm looking at these right here. So this is just, this is just sort of one drawer of your sunglasses that you pulled yeah, out this morning. Yeah, display tray. How long has it taken you to amass 60 pair of sunglasses? Oh, let me see. I'm looking through them. I've probably had some of those for like eight years, seven years. So is it now, I mean, has this been an ongoing I thing your whole life? I cannot walk into any store. If I see, like, if, if it's a gas station, if it's anything, like, I can stay away from the really <laughs> expensive ones because I know I'm like, um, I'm a consumer, but I'm, I'm a, I'm a budget-weary consumer. Like, I don't go and buy, like, $200 pairs of sunglasses. I have, I have two of those. I have a Dolce & Gabbana pair, and then I have I was just going to ask, what, what's the most you've ever paid for a pair of sunglasses? I paid, I've never paid full price for an expensive pair of sunglasses, but I paid uh, 90 bucks once for a pair of Gucci. Jesus. But that are the most flimsy glasses that I own. <laughs> Seriously, I can never wear them because they're. You they're can just totally take them flimsy. out and look at them every now and again through glass. Yeah, I'll wear them and yeah, and I don't. I, and I only wear them when I can just put them back on the tray. I never put those in my first. Keep them in a loose height box. Yeah, but I counted the ones in the picture, and I think I have about forty there because there's some stacked on top of each other. So here's the best. Now here's the best part about it is we were talking yesterday about this, and this morning I came in and you sent me a photograph of all of your sunglasses. The best part this morning was you trying to convince yourself. By trying to convince me that lots of people do this. I believe that lots of people have lots of sunglasses. Tim, how many pair of sunglasses do you own? Three. <laughs> Richie, uh, you can just let us know on the screen. Richie, how many pair of sunglasses do you own? 
How many, like, total? It's a sickness. I cannot go into a store, like a, a gas station, and I'll, I'll tell people that I'm dating or whatever. I'll be like, hey, you'll think this is kooky every once in a while. Like, every time I go into a place, I have to go look at all the sunglasses. It's going to be cute for a while, and then it's going to get really damn Do annoying. they initially find it charming, and then they think you're crazy? Yes, and then all of a sudden, like, I'll walk into a store, and, like, just to get something, and I'll see a sunglass display. Case, I have to like, buy it. I'll be like, oh, I'll, I'll be right back. I've just got to run over there, and I, I just can't live without buying them. I will seriously get physically ill if I can't buy a pair of sunglasses. Oh, my God, I'm crazy. Uh-huh. The uh, Richie, by the way, owns 15 pairs of sunglasses, which is really more than I would think he would own. I mean, I know Richie's all stylish and whatnot. So that reminds me of those stories I used to read about Dee Dee Ramone, where Dee Dee Ramone, who was bipolar and a heroin addict, and therefore given, I think, to sort of weird behavior, but he had this whole thing about watches, where he had to buy a watch a day. And sometimes he would get, and they would talk about going to see him at a party, and he would have an arm full of watches, where he would buy, he would have six or seven watches on an arm. I carry around multiple sunglasses with me all the time, just in case. How many pairs of sunglasses? How many pairs of sunglasses do you have with you right now? I have two pairs of sunglasses and my glasses. Oh, that's not so bad. That's well, not bad. Okay, well that's but three pairs of. When I brought, wear. when I went to Las Vegas, I had to bring, I brought six pairs, because I wasn't sure. I don't know what kind of mood I would be in. And here's the thing, and I know that a lot and of guys. And then I brought three more. But... Really? So you took yeah. six pair with you, but you brought nine pair back. Yeah. And then I bought a pair for somebody for a present. <laughs> um, the And I know that a lot of guys say this, so I don't mean to be yet another guy making this observation, but I'm looking at these sunglasses here, and I can't tell some of them apart. I mean, it's they like are the, all completely different and special in the world. Like those ones in the top, the ones in the top middle, those are vintage ones that I got uh-huh. um, at a thrift store for like twenty bucks. And the ones on the left are Dior knockoffs. Those are um, my tortoiseshell brown Dior knockoffs. And then the ones on the very right are these Coke bottle weird. I'm sure that they have minuscule differences that you can see. They I'm just do. saying from my vantage point, there are. And then there, are, like, there's my collection of aviators. There are my spy glasses in the front that have the mirrors on the sides. Uh huh. Are you like this with anything else? Is there anything else that you compulsively buy? No, shoes, but not as much. You don't buy shoes as often, though, do you? I bought you? a pair of shoes yesterday. You bought a pair. How many pairs of shoes do you own? A lot. How many? I don't even know. Did you? I mean, is it more than I don't 60? Have, remember how I don't have a closet in my apartment, so uh-huh. my shoes are in my kitchen. So I have cupboards full of shoes. <laughs> Dishwasher full of shoes. I have cupboards full of shoes. I have cupboards full of shoes. And that's exactly the sort of thing that they're going to find someday when, you're, when you die unexpectedly of, of heart failure. And they're going to go in and they're going to paint you as a crazy person in the news. I don't know. We just found cupboards full of shoes and the dishwasher was full of books. Well, I don't know. Well, well, well Actually, no, that's What my... was in the shoe closet? It was just full of Kleenex. Actually, I do have books in my kitchen, too. Of course you in do. In the drawers. Do you, would you say that you have more than 60 pair of shoes? Yes. See, shoes I can almost see, though. Because and there's I think... so many different kinds because I have, like, a ton of sneakers and I have a ton of high heels, which I'll buy and then I never wear. Like, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll wear these someday. And then I have a ton of boots. Um, I, I mostly have, like, a lot of Converse, though. Let's, uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, you guys, how's it going? What's up? I wanted to give you kudos off the bat for your article in the trip. That was cool. Excellent. Thank you, sir. I thought that was great coverage for your show. Thank you, my friend. Uh, on the tennis shoes and the sunglass thing, my brother says, Sarah's right. It's a sickness. He's a freak. And he's got the little croaky things that you put around your neck, you know? So you hang, wear them around your neck. Oh, the lanyard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just got the whole wall of these things in his apartment. It's kind of freaky. So this is that your brother owns now. What kind of... Are these uh, functional sunglasses or are they for appearances only? No, no, no. He's into the Oakleys and the... And, you know, back in the day, it was the Barnays and all of course. That, How many pair of sunglasses would you say he owns? He's probably got 30. That's weird. I guess I just, I, I should have assumed that maybe there were other people that did it. I, but I think you are the only person that I've ever known, like in real life, that's actually done Those this. are my favorite, too. My blue blockers, the sports ones uh-huh. right there. They're my favorite. Could you, do you think you could go 
No. Three months without buying no. sunglasses? No. <laughs> What's the longest? Wait, what is the longest do you think you've I, ever I, gone? Just, well, it depends on what stores I go. Like, if I go into a store and I see them, I can't not buy them. Is that true? It's, if you see a great pair of sunglasses that were like six dollars, yes, but I you can't. There's no way. And I would rather not eat than buy those sunglasses. <laughs> if I had six dollars in my purse and I saw a pair of sunglasses and I hadn't eaten lunch yet and I really needed them, I would buy the sunglasses. Fair enough. All right. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. All right. We've got to stop talking First about step this is now. embracing it. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. We could do Hi. a whole thing later about uh, people's crazy compulsive buying. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. I do have a lot of sunglasses, but it's it, it's not a compulsion. It's a forgetful thing. When it's sunny out, I leave them at home, and then I've got a drawer. I've probably got 30 pairs. So you just sort of inadvertently accumulate, though. Yeah, exactly. For you, it's a thing if you just need a pair and you don't have them with you, so you buy a pair, and then they all go in the big pile at your house. Yes, exactly. Tim and exactly. I were commiserating earlier. Tim and I both own pairs of glasses that we can't wear because they're scratched, but we can't bring ourselves to throw them away because we know somehow in our heart that they're worth about $40, and you somehow you dilute, you sell yourself this fiction that you're going to fix them at some point. No, 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 I'm going to... I'm going to buy a glass grinder, and I'm going to go into the back tool shed some weekend, and I'm going to buff all the scratches out, which, of course, never happens at all. Right. And I, I also think I think radiation is also measured in reams. Is it really? No, no, yeah. no. It's measured in rads. Yeah, yes, it is. But oh. there's also, I, I, I think, uh, uh, when it's dealing with um, a certain type of absorption into, like, people or something, I think it's measured in reams. Right. I could be wrong. Thank you. Give it a shot. All bye. Right, bye now. All right, we should take a break. We come back. Uh, we'll talk more about this later. Cause I had a lot of emails about it already. Uh, all right, here's to come. Uh, Bob Costantini, Steve Castamom, Jim Roop, Mr. Skin, uh, top five guitar pop songs. Tim Riley, The Ministry of Truth, and more. Stay there. Official name for that graphic is the Rick Pig Baby. So thanks. The Rick Pig Baby. Thanks so much. Apparently it is my head with an apple in my mouth, grafted onto the body of a baby, put onto a serving tray. Hello, this is my life. Five zero three seven three three two nine seven. And I guess there are now at least twelve people who have that as their MySpace profile picture. Well, at least so thanks the baby so much. named after you, Rick. <laughs> Uh, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, coming up later on, we have uh, CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, uh, Top 5 Guitar Pop Songs, Tim Riley, The Ministry of Truth, Mr. Skin, and so forth. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the one and only Bob! Hello, Rick. Hi, Bob. How are you today? <laughs> Did you actually say my name there that time? No, no, at oh, no okay. point in that uh, flurry of syllables was uh, your name there. It doesn't matter, really. It's a... <laughs> what kind of self-image do you have, Bob? You should think, I'm fine. You should you should have more uh, more sense of your own esteem. I'm so used to uh, people sort of messing up my last name or Constantini, where it's Constantini, of course. But, uh, you know, I'm used to it. And um, one time I was doing television, and a, a woman actually laughed trying to introduce me saying, oh, I can't say that name, and you she laughed on the air. This it doesn't really true. seem like your name is all that difficult to pronounce. I mean, I can understand if it's Lisa's weird freaking last name, but I mean, you're... You, Desjardins. Yeah, Costantini. How did you pronounce it? Costantini. No, no, no. Oh, Desjardins. I, I, know, I know how to pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to pronounce your name, Bob. Um, the uh, yeah, Have you ever noticed how French uh, Lisa's last name is, though? 
Yes, she wears a beret every once in a while. Yes, she sits sits in a sits in a, in a corner, snapping her fingers, wearing uh, dark tinted sunglasses, and smoking a clove <laughs> cigarette. Uh, She's the type. All right. She's, uh, she's very bohemian, kind of. How is it that, I mean, how do they pronounce Bob Costantini other than how it's written? It doesn't seem like a very straight-ahead kind of name. No, it's, al- it's almost always uh, mispronounced as Constantini. Do they know there's no N in there? Uh, they should know, but they don't necessarily. Of course, it makes it a lot easier when um, uh, people are calling you at the dinner hour trying to sell you stuff. Of course. You know, telemarketers. And you can just tell that they're telemarkers. They'll say, Mr. Constantini, and you say, oh, he's not here, you know. <laughs> That's okay. I always get the people coming to my house because they're looking for some guy who lived there seven years ago, uh, you know, and who owes them $7,000. In my neighborhood, I get a lot that, or I get uh, the cops coming by wanting to question some guy who lived there during, the like, the Carter administration. Nah. So, all right. Um, well, in any event, so, there's, so we've got these... Um, these two sort of things happen today. The one is, is of course, uh, the Pope visit, and then the other one is, is President Bush talking about global warming. And I know we're going to talk to you about global warming, but it is interesting because there's sort of it, it's sort of parallel tracks in a way. Because I know the Pope came out and made this really stunning, groundbreaking, earth-shattering announcement today that maybe it won't be such a hot idea for the church to be hiring pedophiles to be priests in the future. <laughs> Uh, which is, you know, it's which is fine. I guess that's like one of those letters that gets delivered 35 years after the fact. You know, he finally sort of yeah. figured that out. And we've got President Bush who's, quote, outlining a new initiative on global warming, yeah. um, which sort of seems like a thing that everybody else decided we ought to do, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 years ago. Yeah, I've, um, I covered the Pope this morning at the White House, uh, and uh, he's, you know, he ended his remarks with God bless America, and he... Uh, talked uh, sort of around the edges of the Iraq war, which is the, the main issue that they might have with President Bush. Um, otherwise, uh, they generally agree on, on uh, key issues, uh, the stem cell research uh, kind of thing, uh, abortion, of course, and uh, same-sex marriage. Um, and uh, if you want me now, I'll segue into the Bush climate thing. <laughs> well, I, just, I guess my question is, is uh, from your political vantage point, from your objective, uh, objective stance as journalist, I mean, is this like a, one of those speeches that Bush feels like he has to give because sort of everybody in the country is looking at him expecting to do it? Or it, does this actually signal that his administration is going to do something and they're remaining like five minutes in office? Well, no, actually, it's what it is, is it's sort of a revised look. Uh, and it's not a major shift in the president's uh, stance to all this. The White House is calling it a realistic uh, attitude towards uh, global warming. Uh, he wants to stop the growth of greenhouse gas emissions in this country by 2025, which sounds like a long ways away, of course. And this, But, you know, they're saying it's realistic because this is the country that consumes 25% of the world's oil. Um, and, you know, to simply just, you know, say that there's going to be a, a uh, you know, reduction in five years or ten years uh, would require significant clamping down on industries. And that's something that this White House just isn't really going to do. It's almost impressive that we can consume 25% of the world's yeah. uh, you know, the industry in that, in that fact. We're almost sort of like the, uh, we're like the Kobayashi of, uh, of, of fuel consumption, you know what I mean? Yeah, we can all think of that as we drive home today. <laughs> We're sitting there, you know, in the, if, uh, I'm just saying it, in the sort of, we are to oil consumption uh, as uh, small Asian men are to the competitive eating of hot dogs. Yeah. I suppose. Bob, I'd like to encourage you now to use that analogy later on I in your other live you know, show. I will uh, when I do a live uh, for the network at the top of the hour. And I want you to intro it just that way. Say, for seeing the radio, Bob Costantini, well, the United States is just like a small Asian man in many yeah. ways. 
and then just give, much more than it should. And then just give sort of a long, dramatic pause while the listeners try to figure out what you're talking about. Yes. That's the way you distinguish yourself in the fine world of broadcasting, Bob. Uh, yes, and I probably distinguish myself uh, very well if I did that. <laughs> I sense that I haven't totally sold you on this idea. All right. No, no, I'm sorry. All right, are you on tomorrow, my friend? Uh, yes, I am, as a matter of fact. All right, then uh, I'm sure you'll have another fun-filled segment with us. Uh, it, it's, then. it's always fun. So spend it's spend the fun. next 23 and a half hours looking forward to that. I certainly will. All right, thank you, Bob. Take care. All right, Bob Costantini from the Hill. Sometimes I feel bad about uh, about talking to Bob, and sometimes I don't, because from day to day I can't really ever tell whether he likes it but doesn't feel like he can admit it, or whether he's just barely tolerating me. I mean, really, from moment to moment, I'm never quite sure. I would about love that. to meet Bob Costantini. He seems like a guy who probably could cut loose now. I and bet again. that he would be a lot of fun. I bet Bob's a guy who gets uh. Never, never tell him I said this. I bet Bob's a guy who gets really loaded. He gets totally schnockered and sings like <laughs> Billy Joel, Piano Man. Totally. Yeah. I bet Bob gets really uh, loud uh, when he, but, but sort of unexpectedly so. Uh, like I bet all of the, you know, like in my head, all of the CNN people are just sitting there, you know, like in the lanes. Well, because we've seen Jim Roop. I mean, he can throw down. Yeah, but you kind of knew that though, right? Yeah. I mean, we know that Lisa drinks, uh, so it's, it's not really. But with Bob, I bet Bob. You know, okay, here's what Bob is. I bet when Bob uh, gets plowed, I bet he is sort of the brick tamblin uh, of the of this. Where loud noises just out of this from nowhere. I would not picture that. I'm just saying. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Uh, we got Steve Kastenbaum here in a few. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi, Greg from Lake O. Hello, Greg. Got another got another unit of measure for Reef. Yeah. So this is. Um, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I forget exactly how this came up, but somebody said the phrase. Blah, 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 it's going to use up a whole ream of paper. And I thought that, uh, because there's that whole thing of just like a murder of crows and a whatever or something, and something of blah, blah, blah. And I thought that ream really ought to be a, a unit of measurement for something else, but I can't really think of what it would be. Well, there's, it's in the medical field. Um, it, one ream is equal to two and a half centimeters uh, on an instrument that's used in, in, in prostate um, exams. But you'd have to use it in a sentence. Please now use it, though, to, to actually... Well, uh, we, when we checked uh, for... Uh, uh, when, we, when we checked and, your prostate... Uh, for, and uh, for Rick Emerson, we were able to insert uh, seven and a half reams. <laughs> okay, there's something there. I don't really know what it is, but it seems like there's, uh, there's a small germ of an idea. That'll need to be polished. Yeah, but that you have to check the medical field. All right. Thank you. All right. All right, there you go. By the way, uh, apropos of nothing, and then I'll read this email apropos of nothing. Then we'll talk about some people who commiserate with your sunglasses uh, obsession. They do? And doesn't when you say when you say sunglasses, doesn't it sound wrong? It doesn't does. it sound like you ought to say sunglass, but you know that that's also incorrect. Um, so apropos of nothing, and this really has nothing to do with anything, I walked through the sales area yesterday on my way to the front to sort of check my mailbox and then back to my office and... At some point yesterday afternoon, it was at around, I don't know, 4, 4.15, something like that. The salespeople upstairs, they weren't, actually, they weren't actually selling. They weren't actually pitching clients. They weren't actually putting together any proposals. Somebody apparently had been talking about the Millie Vanilli song, Blame It on the Rain. And I walked through the first time. Is sort of I did a trip to the mailbox, and then I did a trip from the mailbox back to my office. As I walked to the mailbox, they were talking about the song, Blame It on the Rain. And I heard Sarah Wagner say, 
what is it that they're blaming on the rain anyway? And a guy on the other side of the cubic said, I don't really know. And then as I walked back to my office, they were, I kid you not, busy spending their workday compiling a list of things that you could plausibly blame on the rain, though. I, 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 because I walked as I walked back. That's very strange. As I walked back, she goes, well, what could you blame on the rain? A guy goes, car crash. And then somebody else said, mold. And it was sort of continuing as I walked through. So that's how CBS spends its resources upstairs in the afternoon. This email says, place of employment. Uh, apropos of nothing, I just discovered something that involves a disproportional amount of pain to what you're actually doing. Tweezing out a nose hair. Yes, Rick, I just tried to pull out a nose hair, and I ran whimpering from the bathroom with my eyes watering and me frantically rubbing my nose to make the pain stop. Oh, pulling your eyebrows is no picnic either. Where would you say, uh, apart from one's uh, uh, intimate region, uh, where would you say the worst hair removal pain comes from? I would say, well, I mean, I don't remove... You got a ear in your hair, uh, hair in your ears? No. Well, not yet. You're still young. Give it time. Do, do ladies get hair in their ears? Don't they? Tim? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the weirdest thing ever, Rick. I, uh, I'm assuming everybody does when they get to be a certain age. That's, ear hair is not just for, uh, not just for gentlemen. <laughs> not just for gentlemen anymore. I think that's a, uh... I think that's a that's a that's a multi-gender thing. I think that's across sex lines. Um, I would say that nose hair removal has probably got to be the worst, though. I mean, even more than down there. Well, eyebrow hair is really painful, like especially like right above your eyebrows, because your skin gets really thin there against See, your skull. It I have hurt. I have to do that every now and again too, because I get like the Andy Rooney eyebrows, and so mm-hmm. I have like an eyebrow, like a you know, like a like one of those trimmer things. But every now and again, like, I'll miss just one hair, and so I get this one eyebrow hair that's much longer than the others. And I don't have, and it, it seems like, let me ask you this, speaking of everyday frustrations that make us relatable to the Portland audience, does it seem like when you really find a stray hair that needs to be plucked out, that's when you can't find any tweezers? Mm-hmm. The tweezers are never around. Can I just say this? Let oh, me, no, 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 and seriously, well, it's Steve Castelon's clearly not calling us. I don't know where that guy is. What the heck? Doesn't matter, Steve, you're lost. I'm going to make these tweezing observations without you. Um... Let me also say that, comedically speaking, tweezer and tweezing are hilarious words. Uh, you know what else is funny? Mr. Pibb. So, when you have a stray hair that needs removal, you can never... Your tweezers are around all the time. I know. Except... I have, like, five pairs of tweezers. And it's like... Really? Do you them... feel strangely compelled to buy no, them? No, no, no. That's, that's <laughs> one of the things where, like, I will lose them. And yeah. then, like, I can't... And I really have to pluck my eyebrows, and so I'll go out and buy another pair. Me too. Fingernail clippers. Like the little kind that I have on my keychain. You know, mm-hmm. like the little dollar ninety nine kind of pay less. Uh, I will put fingernail clippers on my keychain, and then I will take them off or lose them or they'll break or they'll whatever. And then I'll and then I'll have a whole bunch of them lying around the house because I'll put them in a pair of pants and forget about them. Mm-hmm. Tweezers, the same thing. Um... Uh, Except I can never find them when, like, a nose hair needs to be plucked. And, of course, you then got that two choices. awful. You can either live with the nose hair or then you can be trying to pull it out with your fingers, which you inevitably do right as someone is walking by the, the doorway of your office. And they just see you with not one but actually two faces. So it looks like you're giving yourself some kind of nasal suppository. So that's no walk in the park. So I'm telling you right now, if I was some sort of robot or, or transformer, I one hand... I would like to just become small toiletry grooming uh, tools. You know what I mean? Uh, index finger becomes tweezers. Middle finger becomes like uh, toenail clippers. Uh, this other finger be- it becomes like an ear hair trimmer. You're so weird. I'm t- tell me that wouldn't be useful. Really, when do you That's need a rocket really the, launcher? your special magical power that you want. When is it that you really... I mean, when else are you going to have... toiletries I'd, on your fingers? I'd like to have a thing that, you know, that shoots flame out. When are you really going to be able to use that? 
You never, you're never firing. You never know unless you have it, Rick Emerson. I suppose that's true. I'm just saying I can count on, on zero fingers the number of times I've needed a heat-seeking missile recently. I need nose hair things all the time, constantly, every single day. What's going on with your, like, body hair? I don't Why know. Why don't you buy one of those devices? What device? Battery operator. Richie, can you just isolate that sound Tim just made? Where's it? You sounded sort of like one of those, uh, you sounded sort of like one of those aliens that floats through the wall on Sesame Street just now. Well, it's a useful device for gentlemen's grooming. Is that true, Tim? Yes. All right. Is this Steve Castam? Yes, it is. Let's walk out of the Rick Emerson show. <laughs> Hi, Steve Castam. How are you doing? Boy, uh, it's funny. Those the, the body hairs uh, are one of those little surprises uh, of life that uh, older uh, adults don't don't tell you about, don't warn you about when you're younger. You know, you you get hairs growing on your earlobes. You know. Now, is it uh, in in your earlobe really? You've never seen uh, older uh, gentlemen with uh, hairs on, on their earlobes and in their ear? Well, no, in the actual ear. Yes, oh, I've, but... seen, I've seen it on the, uh, like, long hairs on the top of the earlobe. Oh, yeah. Well, no, wait a minute. I think you're confusing. I think we're confused now. The earlobe is the dangly part uh, where you put earrings. Oh, okay. Well, then on, on the top part of the ear, then. Uh, um, yes, on the, ins- uh, on, the, on the ear hole, yes, we've all seen that kind of hair. I've seen guys... You're talking from- about the top of the ear where it, it's curvy at the top. Correct. I've seen guys with hairs growing out of that. Well, that's just not right. Um, the Now, let me ask you this. In your experience, the strange mm-hmm. ear hair, does that happen to ladies or is it simply gentlemen? Uh, I have yet to see uh, a woman with the strange ear hairs, although although their their lovely gift of, of old age is, is losing the hair, the thinning hair for the that's, woman. No, no, that's true. That's no good. That's uh, not a good look at all. Do you ever do this? Do you ever go to and, – and, and you wonder – like I went to, where uh, I was at the pharmacy or something the other day, and there's the woman sort of puttering around behind the counter. First of all, I think it's time somebody asked this question: Why is it that you do occasionally see a woman who has blue hair? That's not a thing you see all the time. Usually, it's just a phrase. Well, a bunch of old blue hairs. I was at the pharmacy the other day. Literally, no fooling. Woman had blue hair, and she and not in like a cool like punk rock Patty Smith kind of way. You don't know why women way. have blue hair? No, they blew their hair. Like when you're um. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. I understand completely. That was the beginning of a of a paragraph. Okay. okay. So what they do is when their hair when your hair turns gray, it also turns like you know like a dingy whitish gray. But if you put if you contrast it with like a blue or a purple rinse, then it brightens up your hair. It's the same thing with blonde. Like I put purple shampoo in my blonde hair to make it not as brassy. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean. I don't think it has but, the effect they want. It looks blue. beauty schools and the kids use like way too much um, oh, like, I see. blue or So it's not supposed to be blue as such. It is a blue uh, it, it's a blue sort of additive that is supposed to brighten it, but if you do it wrong, it actually is just blue. Yes. Okay. All right. You know, that's really funny cuz I I, I <laughs> That's like how you use her- green makeup to cover up a hickey. <laughs> It's one of one of my earliest jobs while I was in high school. So, so. I worked for a, a local farm, you know, drugstore, and uh, my uh, one of my departments that I stocked and ordered was the hair dye, and I couldn't understand it because I never saw blue hair dye yet. There were all these old ladies with blue hair around. Yeah, and then uh, well, in any event, uh, I, had, I had something I was going to do here, but now I don't even remember what it was. Well, whatever. Anyway, so yeah, so it, I bought a few years ago like a Remington, like a 
you know, personal grooming kit is what they call it, which is basically like for your nose and your ear, uh -huh. uh, which is just one of the best things I've ever purchased. But it does seem like uh, it, like I ought to be keeping a pair of tweezers on me at all times. You can really never have too many pairs of tweezers. How about the back hair? You got that creeping out of your collar? <laughs> no. It sounds like somebody's projecting a little bit. No. Creeping no, out that, of your collar. That, that hasn't like happened to me yet, but I see that on guys. You know, when they get into their 40s, you know, the, the back hair starts creeping up, uh, you know, when they wear a T-shirt sticking out of the back of the collar. You know, and that's just weird when you think about it. I mean, I mean, I suppose there's some sort of physiological, I mean, there must be some reason for it. I just, it's, why at some point would you just start growing hair somewhere where you never had it? That just doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, I don't get it either. It's completely puzzling. You know what? And uh, you know what? The next time I talk to what's his guts, the, uh, the Doctor Nibalski from the uh, the medical hair restoration place, I'm going to ask him that. I'm going to ask him to deal with ear hair because that just doesn't. Now, see, now it's going to be a thing that, that puzzles me. Like until I can sort of you know clarify it. Um, all right, blah blah blah. Talking. Uh, let's see. What's hold on? What's the word? Well, what am I covering today? Is I was, that what you're gonna ask? I'm looking for a segue. Speaking of old guys. Um, well, I know the Pope is, uh, the Pope is doing something or other, and, you know, I, I guess I could act more interested in this than I really am. I talked a lot about it with, I, I talked about it just enough to make Bob Costantini really uncomfortable yesterday, but, <laughs> but I did see the Pope made this groundbreaking announcement today that maybe it's not such a hot idea to be hiring these guys who have a sexual predilection for young children. Yeah, he said on the plane over yesterday uh, to, the, to the States that he was deeply ashamed and uh, it had caused him uh, a lot of uh, pain. Uh, and sorrow, as, as well as a lot of other people, uh, obviously other people, but it caused him personally uh, a lot of a lot of sorrow. So uh, you know they've taken steps to make sure that this uh, can never happen again. What, that did sort they of clarify thing. what those steps really are? They're going to better screen these candidates for the priesthood. Is what what he claims they're going to be doing. They're looking at how they screen. Uh, these individuals who want to uh, enter the clergy. Uh, how is it, I mean, and maybe I'm not saying you know the answer to all of this, but I mean, I wonder how you even, what are you supposed to do? So uh, are you a pedophile? And then, you, I mean, you're kind of, really, I mean, unless the guy's been convicted of something, you're pretty much on the guy's honor to sort of admit that he doesn't want to bugger children. Uh, yeah. So, well, whatever. I, yeah, and, and then this all plays into the other issue that a lot of folks here uh, in the States uh, you know, I've brought up before that they think that, you know, there wouldn't be a priest shortage uh, uh, internationally if uh, they allowed priests to be married. Uh, and, and, and this pope is uh, pretty much dead set against uh, that. Well, you, you can't even bring that up with him. So uh, a lot of folks say, you know, if they had more, uh, a better pool of, of prospective priests to pull from, including married men, uh, that uh, you'd have less of these uh, incidents. Yeah, well, always always remember that the key to any crisis is to be absolutely inflexible. I'll never never accept anything remotely approaching a compromise solution because that's just disaster. Uh, hey, just uh, let's real briefly talk about this. Uh, please tell me that this guy at Shea Stadium was sliding down an escalator four stories above the ground. Okay, now those were the initial reports. That's what the police said. Uh, you know, poor guy. He goes with his kids and, and some extended family to a Mets game at Shea Stadium. The Mets finally win one uh, and win it really well, shutting out the Washington Nationals six zip. Should have been a memorable moment with the kids. He's going down the escalator, falls off the escalator, plunges four stories uh, to the concrete floor below, and, and dies. Is there no railing of any kind? Well... His, initially, the reports were that he was sliding down the railing or sitting on the railing and lost his balance and fell off, which kind of makes sense. 
But today, his family and his kids were, were saying he was not doing that, that he slipped, that he somehow lost his footing and went over the railing. But and he, and he wasn't drinking. He wasn't horsing around or anything like that. How likely does that, as a journalist, how likely does that story seem to you? I don't know, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, at, at the CNN Center in Atlanta, they have, I don't know if you know this little, this little uh, piece of trivia, the longest... Uh, interior escalator in the United States is at the CNN Center, and you ride this escalator uh, at the very beginning of the CNN tour uh, to to see the entire facilities uh, there at, at the CNN uh, headquarters for, uh, center. I will not ride that escalator. <laughs> how big? How high does it go? Do you know? It goes all the way up to the top of the of, the, of this building that is. Uh, I think it's something like. Uh, 10 or 14 stories high. Jesus, that's kind of creepy. Yeah, I'm not riding it. Yeah. No way. All right. Well, yeah, maybe, they, maybe they ought to think about, you know, just maybe some kind of a fence or something. I mean, I don't want to get crazy, but, you know, maybe just a little something. If you're four stories above your doom, maybe just a little something to keep people from plummeting over the side. Well, you know, the escalator originated as uh, as a carnival ride, as sort of a, a, oh. an oddity. So maybe it really is dangerous. I don't know. Well, just a little added excitement for everybody there. All yeah. right, my friend. Are you on tomorrow? Uh, I am. We're getting closer to the Pope's arrival in New York, so I'm getting uh, all ramped up for that. Yeah, us too. <laughs> We're not that ramped up for it. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Enjoy the rest of your day. We will talk to you very soon, Steve. So long, folks. All right, there you go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we have to take a moment to give a shout-out to Shad in Thank Southeast. Thank you, Shad. Who uh, dropped off a 64-pack of, oh, I'm sorry, a 96-pack of Crayola crayons. Rick, what, is, what is on the there? The flesh color. With sharpener. With a sharpener. Somebody's dreams were fulfilled today. No, it's true. My childhood is finally complete. Sharpener. Oh, damn it. Ah, that was me. I just choked. choked. Maybe you should maybe you should celebrate right now by sharpening one of the crayons that didn't need sharpening. With what? The sharpener? I barely knew her. All right, there you go. Yes, I wonder if they have... What year did they get rid of the flesh-colored crayon, Tim, do you suppose? I, I had that know. when I was a kid. Me too. I don't know. Uh, let's see here. I'm old enough to remember flesh-colored Band-Aids, too. Uh, let's see here. How do you open this? Oh, no, I'm afraid to... Did you ever go to open... This child... Oh, oh, there you go. Okay, I was just going to say, did you ever... Yes, yeah, since I can't open it. What is wrong with you? I'm just Be opening gentle. it. No, 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 I am. But did you ever go to open something well, he's very that... Anxious. that uh, I guess so. Something start, that... Start coloring. Oh, see, now I've torn it by mistake. Well, I couldn't figure out how to open it. It just... It's I really not that complicated. It said open and pull here, and the box just sort of came apart on me. Did you ever go to open something, though, that presumably is really easy to open, and you, for the life of you, can't get it open, and you wonder if there's something wrong with I you? I have you've been waiting your whole life, and you just messed it up. I didn't mess it up. I messed it up a little bit. I think it still closes, though. It doesn't really close. Okay, well, now I have to buy some sort of extra case to put these in. We can just tape it up. Just don't throw that away. See, it said open here. Okay. I just pulled the... Just don't throw it away. All right, what should I be sharpening? Um... Wow, it's amazing how that... Uh, smell these. <gasps> okay. Oh, my God, this looks so pretty. You've got to take a picture before you... Oh, weird. Isn't it weird how that smell sends you back? So Shad and Southeast dropped off oh, a 96 pack. Oh, pretty they are. I'm sorry for opening the box poorly. May, it I, doesn't may I sniff your crayons? Yes. Ooh, yes, they even may. have metallic crayons? Tim, sniff my burnt umber. Look at how pretty those are, Tim. Oh, those are nice. Yeah, give those oh. a good sniff. Ooh. Isn't that weird how that smell immediately That's transports you back to, like, first grade or something? Now, the you good news is... You to airplane glue once you get older. Well, many children in a certain decade. <laughs> Tim can't stop sniffing. Where's a can of Pam? Uh, the great thing is, though, that even though I opened the box a little poorly, um, that, uh, like, you don't have to keep these clothes. They don't go bad. They don't dry out. Do you remember the saddest things when you'd have a marker and it would dry out? Mm -hmm. And you'd be like, oh, no, I'm almost done with the sun part. Right. 
All right. Fantastic. Jesus, it's, we have to take a break. All right. Back after this. Tim, have ye news for us? Yes, yes. I love today. All right. This color is bronzeado. What the hell kind of color is that? What is bronzeado? I don't understand some of these colors. All right. This color is Presa Silvestre. You know, something's really changed in this country. I know. Something's... Something's... like a multi-ethnic Oh, is that what it is? Oh, it's in another... Okay. I was just going to say this country's really gotten ahead of itself with colors. Oh, here we go. Oh, spring green is also Verde Primavera. All right. There you go. It all makes sense now. I felt like Robert Klein in that Twilight Zone where he couldn't understand the language. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. This is fantastic. I never had any of these colors. Hot magenta. Yeah. Magenta Intenso. Uh, all right. It's the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Still coming up. I can't quit touching these crayons. Still coming up. Uh, James Roop, top five guitar pop songs of all time. Uh, Mr. Skin. This, however, is your personal savior. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. Now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A man is found dead after going for help and his car gets stuck in the snow. A 52-year-old man found dead in the woods of Southern Oregon. Two days after his car got stuck and he set out on foot to seek help. Deborah Smith called 911 yesterday morning to report Kenneth Walton as a missing person. Smith told deputies she and Walton had gone for a drive Sunday. The intended drive from Canyonville to Myrtle Creek via Johnny Creek Road. They became stuck in the snow on Johnny Creek Road. Okay, I'm unclear about this. So, should you go for help or not? No. Ned, don't go for help. No, because you always die. <laughs> Every time. I guess that's a fair There's point. no help to be found. There's nothing out there. There's nowhere or nothing to help you in the woods. Or anywhere in life. Look at a map of Oregon. Outside of the Portland metro area, outside of the I-5 corridor, there's nothing there. All right. Nothing. What if you're off uh, the I-84, Tim? Or perhaps the 205? Well, if you're a Californian, <laughs> I think there's a, you I, probably have help. I'm pretty sure there's a promo running right now in which, uh, in which, we, in which I, uh, you use that phrase prominently. I think, uh, I, think I heard well, that phrase. I can't, play this I can't describe it as I-5 corridor. That would be grammatically incorrect. Yes. You have to call it the I-5 corridor. Yes, you do, Tim. So the moral is, if you're stuck somewhere, just accept your fate and starve. There's... Die in your car. <laughs> it's a little bit warmer than dying outside, isn't it? I mean, really, at least you have uh, at least you have reclining seats there. I mean, if you're at the point <laughs> where you have no choice left but to go look for help, you're not it going... is not there. Yeah. <laughs> There's nobody waiting to help you. You don't come across a, a house with a big sign out that says, help here. <laughs> house full of food, this way. No. So, duly noted. So, just uh, just stay there. It has a picturesque name like Johnny Creek Road. It sounds harmless, doesn't <laughs> John, it? Johnny's not home. Johnny right. Creek will kill you. <laughs> there is no Johnny. There is only the cold hand of the Reaper. So, uh, well, the worst part of this is, I haven't got to the worst part of this story. Oh, what is the worst Even part? though it's a no-lapping matter, oh. mind you. Well, he was carrying his girlfriend's prepaid cell phone when it ran out of minutes. <laughs> oh, no! No! Yes. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. So he died in a place called Tiller, Oregon. Does anybody know where that is? No. Well, that's where people die. <laughs> Sarah, do you know where Tiller, Oregon is? Nope. Don't the do prepaid cell phone ran out of minutes? Yeah. Well, that's just balls. I mean, that's just that just sucks. 
<laughs> really? That is just... That's just a big plate of suck is what that is. Hello, I'm very easy to find on that. <laughs> we shouldn't laugh at this show. No. It's ridiculous. It's part of living in Oregon. <laughs> I suppose. The woods are dangerous and do not like you. Nature Stay hates in the you. house. <laughs> Everything you want is inside the house. <laughs> Nature is waiting to kill you. You know, Take the, out your trash once a week and you're fine. That's the, the only outdoor activity you need to be engaged in, really. The phone in the house will always work, kids. Why don't no. you buy one of those devices? What devices? The battery operator. <laughs> <laughs> the best part is just at the... All right, that does it. I'm bringing it in. I'm going to bring in that device, and you will hear that it has to make that noise. Okay. I'm bringing it in tomorrow. The device. Battery operator. <laughs> <laughs> I think I want to make that my, uh, like a ringtone that sort of sounds like a vibration. It does sound like a vibration. All right, fantastic. It does vibrate. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? So we're moving on from the dead man's <laughs> slow story. With a prepaid phone that ran out of minutes. Mm-hmm. You, if you were going into the woods, into a place where people clearly die all the time, wouldn't you, you know, stock up on minutes? You know, maybe buy $5 worth yeah. or something? Jesus. All right. By the way. I'm looking at the colors of uh, crayon that I got here from Shad, and uh, yeah, these are really righteous. Uh, let's see, where's the one I was just looking at? And uh, I don't know what the hell it went. I, I just handed one to Sarah. Well, first of all, there's one called Inchworm. It's sort of like Inchworm. that. Inchworm. Which, which I guess is a color, maybe, only because they run out of uh, the color. It's like... Um, it's like how Gatorade, you know, it likes... What color is this? Well, it's Autumn Frost. Well, what the F kind of flavor is Autumn Frost? James in the afternoon, uh, who runs Lycus, James will come in with Gatorade, and I'll always notice the flavors, and it's always, what's this? It's, uh, well, it's, uh, you know, it's Cool Breeze flavor. Well, that doesn't mean anything. The F is Cool Breeze. Uh, and so here we've got Inchworm, which is a kind of green, but then this is the really bitchin' crayon. Uh, it is a Crayola Metallic FX crayon. It's a it's an extreme. Those are the coolest. Yeah, it's. Uh, they and never um, draw as pretty as you know as they look. You know, and it's maybe like, those are just for graffiti outdoors. It's like a red sparkly kind of crayon. It's just for preschool tagging. It's really pretty. It looks like a, a paint job of an old car. So did you say that you had the sharpener and it worked, or did it, it didn't work? I had the sharpener and it worked, but sometimes it would um, like break apart my crayons. So it wasn't even. It wasn't always cracked up. Oh, me. that's no good. You know, here's the thing that they should sell. Um, uh, this is like how I always say that they ought to sell a USA Today that has multiple purple sections because that's the only section anybody ever reads, uh, like at the office or whatever. Um, they ought to sell uh, for perhaps maybe small, like for boys, they ought to sell some sort of Crayola box that just has extra red and black crayons because those are the ones the boys always go to. If you go to, if you look at any boy's small box of Crayola crayons, the red is always down to a nub while it's like purple has not not even been touched. The purple still got a, like a perfectly sharped at red gone. A little observation for myself to uh, to Benny Smith. Here's Tim Riley. So here's a little note from the uh, the OSP, the Oregon State Police. Please ignore the fake Amber Alert. Now, how are we supposed to know if these are real or fake from now on, then? Uh, about that alert, about the two little girls kidnapped in, Al- in Albany, well, ignore it. It's fake. Ignore it. Seriously. So say uh, the Oregon State Police, who are confirming reports of a fake Amber Alert being received by some people. Uh, there is no active Amber Alert in Oregon at this time, so please ignore it. All right, we won't take them seriously anyway. Somebody else has an interesting point about what's his guts that died in who's its Oregon, walking around in the in the in the in the winter. Uh, Tiller, Oregon. Tiller, Oregon. Tiller. Tiller. <laughs> Thank you. Tim. I barely knew her. Um, they, they said that Tiller he had a killer. They, that's Tim Riley who said that. 
Um, they noted that this is something I'd sort of I knew, but I had kind of forgotten about. They said that they thought those prepaid uh, phone devices had to have uh, f- uh, free emergency calls. I believe they do. Yeah. So. Maybe, I wonder maybe it doesn't work on Johnny Cake Road. <laughs> Johnny Cake Road. Johnny Cake Road is on the nine one. I love you, Johnny Cakes. All right. <laughs> That's just going to happen at Slack moments of the day's program. I'm going to bring the real one in tomorrow, and you're not going to be able to tell the difference. Really? Yeah. We should do like some sort of a comparison. It's riveting, I tell you. <laughs> Here's Tim Riley. Uh, let's see. Uh, attention married men and all Republicans. The rest areas in Clark County are closed due to maintenance. You'll have to find your jollies elsewhere. This, uh, the, it's either the Gee Creek or the G Creek, depending on who you are. The G Creek rest areas, a flanking I-5 just north of Exit 9 in Clark County, are closed for several days for the next two weeks due to, uh, maintenance. Then they're going to be fresh and clean and ready for your occupancy again. Uh, for southbound motorists, the next, uh, rest area is 14 miles south of Portland. Oh, here. Looking for some sort of a bathroom tryst. Oh, and for northbound, your uh, closest stop is the Toodle River. That's exit 51. All right. So, uh, find your jollies elsewhere. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, let's talk about the Pope, shall we? Jolly always sounded like a kind of cam, uh, like a kind of candy when I was a kid. It's a kind of popcorn, too. I, when I, uh, <laughs> growing up and I would hear an adult go, blah, 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 gonna get my jollies, which is a horrible phrase, by the way. I find it very creepy. But when I was a kid, I somehow pictured that being a small green candy. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why it was green, but in my head, they would refer to, quote, getting one's jollies, and I always pictured them stopping off at some kind of a candy store, like a dime store, and picking up a big bag of small green uh, sort of chewy things. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. So Pope Benedict Sixteenth, well, there were 15 before him, apparently, is uh, deeply ashamed of the uh, pedophile priests. He addressed the controversy yesterday as he spoke with reporters aboard the, uh, I thought it said PayPal, but it's Papaljet. PayPal jet. About the PayPal. Would you like to pay for this uh, with credit card or with PayPal? He said that the pedophiles. PayPal is the misspace of uh, the. <laughs> I'm going to pay for that with my PayPal account. I'm totally saying it as of now. When I buy something on misspace, I use PayPal. Uh, they're not going to allow uh, pedophiles anymore to become priests anymore. We will absolutely exclude pedophiles from the sacred ministry. I, this is absolutely incompatible. And who is really guilty and pe- uh, to be a pedophile cannot be priest. There will be no more pedophiles. And, well, and no more priests, clearly. I mean, really, if they have to screen out everybody who's weird, mm-hmm. uh, there's just not going to be anybody well, left. Showed, there was an article in the New York Times that showed all these places are empty now. Yeah. I no. mean... No, there were like two or three people in places that used to hold hundreds of people. Well, you know, the, the great thing about the Catholic Church at this point is it's just taking care of itself. Like, I don't even have to... We used to be really actively sort of w- wishing for the Catholic Church to, to just I- implode and go away. We don't really even have to do anything. Uh, they are taking care of that problem all on their own. So, uh, so uh, the Pope says he'll uh, weed out anyone he considers to be a threat. The... I'd be ashamed, and we will do all the possible that this cannot happen in future. By the way, always be unnerved when a former member of the Hitler Youth said he's going to weed out people that he perceives to be threats. Yes. Uh, Pope Benedict says he's enjoying his uh, voyage to the U.S. America's Catholics have made and continue to make an excellent contribution to the life of their country. As I begin my visit, I trust that my presence will be a source of renewal and hope for the Church in the United States. Hogan! He also. <laughs> Come on, you know that's funny. That is funny. Wait, hold on. If I could, you know how I can make that even funnier? 
Am I, am I funnier? I mean stupid. Um, let's see if I can get this. Let's do this one call here, and then we'll continue with that. It'll give me a moment to get this ready. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey, what's up? Bless you. Um, I was talking, uh, listening about your Transformer uh, fantasy or whatever. Yeah. You know, having different utility yeah. fingers and whatnot. Isn't that um, Inspector Gadget? Well, I suppose, except he's more of an all-over, uh, he's sort of, eh, maybe. I mean, he has the Go-Go Gadget blender or yeah, whatever right. on his hand, I suppose. Yeah, fair enough. Go-Go Gadget useful item yes. comes out unuseful item. I could see that, yeah. Ha right. Have you something else for us today? Well, I was going to make that comment about uh, the use, the emergency number. They have to use the... Yeah, because I think I remember uh, reading somewhere that no matter who the cell phone was through, no matter where it was from, even if it was out of minutes, as long as there was a battery in it and it got a signal, it had to be able to call 911. You know, mine didn't work when I, I was at the Universal City and I saw that guy getting the stuffing beating out of him. Oh, wait, so you did attempt to call... Uh... I did attempt and nothing... It rang, but nobody answered. <laughs> well, it is L.A. I mean, really, what do you... Did you hear... True. Did you hear that... that uh... 911 call that was played some time ago. I don't have time to do it now, but it was where some child had been kidnapped, and it was a recording of the 911 thing where the woman got put on hold like four times and transferred and hung up on. Anyway, uh, I have at home somewhere in my basement like a milk crate um, full of old cell phones because you know you don't you know as long as there's no resale value for those. I anymore. have all my old cell phones too. Really? How many do you have? Would you think like three? I have four? like three, and I have one um, from when I lived in London. I have a Vodafone. Yeah. It's so it's still bizarre looking. I even have like the old school huge Motorola brick one uh, that was I had at some radio station, and then I have the ones that were considered relatively uh, svelte uh, by Nokia that were still like huge. I mean, they were still massive. Uh, so I have all of those, and somebody told me that even now, if you were to go turn on one of those really old crusty ass cell phones and dial nine one one, like legally it has to work. So yeah, good observation, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right, do you have another poke clip? Uh, let's see here. I I have some. Uh, I have a spot here trying to recruit some priests. All right, let's see if it plays. Well, this it's not as funny. Do you, can you play? I, the, I do have. Uh, you play the Pope uh, one of the Pope things again? I do have the story about the Pope who's uh, riding around in his Pope mobile. Oh, let's see what this is about. While the Pope is routing around in his Pope-mobile, this is a specially equipped vehicle by Mercedes-Benz. It's designed to protect the Pope while allowing him to be visible to the crowds. The Pope-mobile has been equipped with bulletproof glass since an attempt on the life of Pope John Paul II in 1981. The Pope-mobile has a handrail so the Pope can stand and wave to the crowd while the vehicle is in motion. A Secret Service spokesman said the Pope will be driven by a Secret Service agent. Uh, should the Pope-mobile become disabled, they'll borrow the Wiener-mobile. I'm sorry. This is like the longest intro. I didn't remember it having like 40 seconds of, of drums at the beginning. Let's see what this is about. This is supposed to be a video to recruit new priest. Andrew Blake presents <laughs> Crimes of Passion. Oh, this looks boring. We're not even going to bother with it. Remember my soapbox or car last year with the Pope-mobile? Oh, that's right. Don't give up your talents or your gifts. What happened? So much your career couldn't about. Okay, well, ideally the joke would have gone like this. Yeah. We would have played sound for the Pope, who used to be a Nazi, and then this would be underneath. And it would have and everybody would have laughed. Hilarity would have ensued. Well the Pope's gonna be here for a couple more days, so we still have time to plan more things. Alright. Well I'm watching the opening credit. This oh you know why that's longer? I'm looking at this here on the YouTube. This isn't the regular series open. This is the opening to the pilot. Because there's some guys you never saw in any subsequent episodes. It's got like 
It's got one of those things where it's um, it's just a it it's just the pilot, so the cast is a little bit different. Well, what's really strange about it was this came out less than twenty years after the war ended. I I mean the viewers would have fought in that war, so here they are making a comedy. Those darn about Nazis. Not, about, I mean, they're probably sitting there with disabilities watching uh, something made out of a comedy. What year did Hogan's Heroes I air? 65, 66. 65, so yeah, less than 20 years after the war. Uh, and I, I mean, I've, I've talked repeatedly about how I, I just can't imagine being in the room when that was pitched. No, 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 it's hilarious. It's, a, it's in a Nazi prison camp, and hijinks will ensue. Ever, and, I mean, well, you know, whatever. I, it's just, uh, it, it's, I guess it's a television classic. It's just, you can't really think of that... There really are no, um, there were really no sitcoms, uh, sitcoms put in the Hanoi Hilton. It wasn't like in 1993 somebody said, "I know, it's it's a it's a hilarious comedy that takes place inside a Vietnamese prisoner of war camp." I mean, it's just I think that is a uh, that people like to think that uh, that we become really edgy in our comedy now, or that now we're really irreverent and that anything goes. But I mean, even I don't know that you could get away with that now. Maybe it was so people wouldn't feel so bad about Vietnam. <laughs> I'm going to distract you. Remember how funny the last war? You love war. It's hilarious. Don't you remember how hilarious military conflicts can be? Look, Nazis. So, all right. Anywho, here's Tim Riley. Does that show air in Germany? No. Did, I, I think it has, but they, they took out all the Hitler salutes. I just love the idea of Germans turning on a television less than 20 years after we just smashed them into small pieces and having to watch Americans school them all over again on television. No, but this would, this would have been recently. I mean, during the time that that was shown in America, it was not shown in Germany. So it would have been just so within the last little bit or whatever. Yeah, last, I, I know that the Germans are still a little bit uh, sensitive about the whole uh, genocide well, business. Well, most of the people living there now weren't even alive back then. Yeah. It's, well, because, you know, even now there's, it is illegal to do... Uh, certain things uh, like uh, the, the, the example that they always give is um, even now in 2008 when the band uh, Kiss tours Germany or any Kiss merchandise you see in Germany CDs posters whatever on the Kiss logo the S's have kind of a resemblance to the to the SS I noticed that yeah the, uh, the which is you know it's kind of makes kids want to join <laughs> I want to join one of those cool Nazi bands um, but, and so if you see any KISS merchandise in Germany, they have to change the S's so they look like Z's, basically, because you're not allowed to sell anything that has that. So I think they're still a little bit, uh, they're still a little bit touchy about the whole business. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. Hi. Hey, a uh, little, uh, pop culture note about Hogan's Heroes. Yeah. Uh, Warner Klemperer, who played Colonel Plink. Yeah. Was Jewish. Actually, all of the Nazis were portrayed by Jews. Uh, yes. Jewish actors portray. Anytime you see a Nazi uh, on the screen, Hogan's Hero, there's a Jewish actor, which I kind of like too. I like the fact that we didn't take. It didn't like like Mel Brooks afterward. It didn't take a yep. whole a whole long time for comedy writers to start kicking the corpse of Hitler. I think that's great. <laughs> well, one of the caveats of him taking the role was that the uh, Nazis were to be made to look foolish at the end of every episode. Yeah, well, I think his, that kind of goes, you know, I don't really know that you can have a sitcom where the Nazis emerge triumphant at the end, and the Nazis win again. But anyway, okay, can I throw a trivia question at you? You'll sure. probably get this. Why not? What what branch of the military was Colonel Clank? Was he from the, uh, was he from the, uh, the what's it, the, the Luftwaffe? Exactly. It was a Luftwaffe or an Air Force yeah. prisoner of war camp. Very good. All right, thank you. Best show ever. There you go. Yeah, my dad had a weird affinity for Nazi, uh, Nazi crap. My dad was sort of like... Uh, what's his name? Chris Cooper in American Beauty. 
the weird nutty next-door neighbor who collects the secret Nazi plates. Uh, my dad and his dad, my grandfather, were both uh, a little bit like that. So, yeah, I... Growing up in my house, I heard a lot about, you know, in Germany, they did it right, son. And you just kind of go, uh-huh, that's great. I can't wait to be 18. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, Billy Ray Cyrus uh, has a little message for his daughter, Miley. He wants her to know that he's there anytime she needs to. She's given her room, you know, to to be a kid and oh, yeah. to be a young lady and to grow and find her own path and, and do things her own way. I've always tried to be her best friend, and that's what I continue to do now, you know. And she she needs her space, you know, to to do her thing. But I'm always there. I'm always just a phone call away or a text or, you know, if she always knows if she needs me, I'm I'm there. There's a little compounded Texas that gave women lots of space. <laughs> you know, and be her father, not her best friend, creepo. Seriously. I, mean, I want to be your best friend. Miley, text message me. Oh, like, God, oh. you, you took part in making her, like. Ugh. I mean, and who and who says that to the media? Like, I'd like to send a secret, I'd like to send a private special friend invitation to my daughter via this television broadcast. And you totally nailed it. To, to be a parent. Quit. Uh, you know, the, there's that great. Um, I'm not much of a Nirvana fan, but uh, Kurt Cobain had that great line he wrote. Uh, I think it's in that song "Serve the Servants." He had that line about the. He had that line about uh, I tried hard to have a father, but instead I had a dad, which I always thought was kind of great because there is that whole generation of parents that want to be your pal. Uh, and, you know, it, when your parent tries to be your pal, that's embarrassing for everyone. Mm -hmm. It's embarrassing and fails. It never happens. And if you try to be the cool parent, uh, your kid just ends up huffing art supply that's paint. All those horrible shows are, like, I mean, like, something the Kardashians, whatever that show is, and, like, the moms of Beverly... What's that show that we're talking about? Housewives? Yeah. And, yeah, and they're all just of trying to be the hit Dina Lowen, too. Same thing. Oh, God. You know, all of the celebrity, uh, and it does seem to be the female celebrities, it, all of the uh, Britney and Lindsay and all those girls, that they all have moms uh, that want to be part of the hip girls club with the daughter. And that's just, it's just awful. It makes everyone cringe. So why don't you not send your daughter any more secret special friend messages? Hmm? Here's Tim Rabbit. We got a rollover on North Columbia Boulevard, the 9,000 block. It is a serious accident. The road is closed in both directions. So that's North Columbia Boulevard. Stay away from there. You can't go anywhere anyway. Uh, Michelle Obama let her sense of humor show when she made an appearance last night on Comedy Central's Colbert Report. Barack Obama's wife told uh, Colbert she really doesn't look at the negatives of being a first lady. Barack and I tend to look at the positive, and we don't look at what could go wrong, what the problems are, because there's so much that I think Barack can do for this country. So back to a story that we couldn't find yesterday, but found today. Uh, just, as a, just as a side note here, I was looking to make sure that I was right about this. So Michelle Obama was on uh, the Colbert thing, was it last night? I guess so. Uh, you know, the weird thing about that is is that um, she's on there, and I forget who else, maybe McCain? Might be, might be McCain, might not be. But, you know, Barack himself won't go on, which is sort of weird. Uh, the and there's a whole thing. I mean, I don't want to sit and dwell a whole lot on Barack Obama. We'll, there'll be plenty of time for that next Monday and Tuesday when the Pennsylvania primary gets here. But it, oh, tonight's a big debate for them. Is that true? Yeah. Where was it? Why I didn't even know that. Why? Why don't I know? Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, where's the debate at? Do we know? Someplace in Pennsylvania. Some, it's someplace a big state. somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Gettysburg. Some, someplace around a churning uh, butter thing. Um, they ought to make Hillary and, and Obama do a barn raising. They ought, to, that ought to be, they ought to have to do some sort of Amish Pennsylvania Olympiad before, like, on their way to the, and it ends at the arena where they debate. Um, but, you know, the, the Obama campaign really is just so much more stage-managed, I think, than his supporters want to believe. I mean, I think they all want to believe that he just has this, he can just touch, you know, cure lepers with his touch. Um, but that guy really does, I mean, which is fine because it's politics, but he really does manage his public persona 
so carefully. Well, he's, uh, he's not sipping whiskey in the bar, letting his eyes pop out of his head. <laughs> what does that even mean? Did you see that picture of Hillary? <laughs> We demand more of our candidates letting their eyes pop out of their heads in bars. Barroom broad. <laughs> whiskey. Give me some whiskey. Why she's all like she's all calamity Jane and whatnot. <laughs> it was like uh, like uh, uh, a half of a sip is like oh yeah. The, the weird thing is she did sip it like it was an aperitif, sort of like. And then somebody must have whispered, no no no, no real real men pounded. Just, all right. And then she put it back. Um, but you're right, and it was. We were talking about this yesterday. This is why it's so hard to take politics seriously because you can see it on my website. I posted the video. When the, you know, as soon as Obama made that thing about you know blah 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 the heartland, Hillary was like, "Get me a bar and some whiskey, stat." Uh, and as somebody noted, it wasn't even American whiskey. Well, the guys with pot bellies and handlebar mustaches. <laughs> it was, and it was godless Canadian whiskey at that. Yeah. Uh, but Obama won't go on uh, the Colbert show, which is interesting because you know the Colbert, because John Stewart and I think even more so Stephen Colbert have a really uncanny ability to make you look stupid. If you are uh, if you are a, a, like a, a shyster in any way, if you are disingenuous in any way, if you are hiding some uh, facet of your campaign in any way, those guys are going to get it out of you, uh, and they're going to make you look dumb. And so I, I think it is very indicative of something that Obama won't go on that show. That's a lot, and, of, and even John Stewart, he tore Chris Matthews apart. Oh yeah, no, John, during I mean, his book tour. Yeah, because well, because you know, as they say, even the devil cannot bear scorn. Uh, the, it's a lot easier to pull off your your talking points crap on CNN or Fox News. I'm not singling out CNN, but I mean MSNBC, any major news network where they do quote real news. That's the irony, right? Is the real news networks will just sit there and let you recite all of your same crap talking points over and over again. But you go on a comedy show and they don't care. Uh, they got another a news show. They're not bound by any of the journalistic whatevers, and they'll totally screw you right there in the air in front of everybody. So I read a lot into the fact that Obama won't go on the firing line with uh, with Stephen Colbert. Anyway, here's Tim Riley. So now we have that sound with uh, Jack Cafferty on uh, CNN saying all the Chinese make are junk. I think they're basically the same bunch of goons and thugs they've been for the last 50 years. Yes. It sounds like the sound we used yesterday. I was just going to say. Running, uh, hundreds I'm... of billions of dollars worth of trade deficits with them I'm... as we continue to import their junk with the lead paint on them and the poison pet food and export uh, you know, jobs to uh, places where you can pay workers a dollar a month. Who is this? You never watched him in the afternoon? No. Jack Camperty? Oh, I know that guy, the Camperty file. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but, I mean, where is that being taped? Uh, with a close-and-play tape recorder on somebody's TV? That was just... That's... I was My gonna, first cassette... It's before. like one of those YouTube videos where somebody has held the tape recorder up to the little speaker on the television. Well, that's the best it's going to get. All right. Well, I think we played that yesterday. We did. I wanted to play it again today. By the way, this says, hey, don't forget the Japanese equivalent, McHale's Navy. That's right. McHale's Navy was a World War II show, was it not? Yeah. Interesting. There really aren't... Okay, so let's go through, um, in America, let's see, uh, Civil War comedies. Well, there was uh, The Secret Diaries of Desmond Pfeiffer. That didn't really count, F though. F-Troop. Uh, F-Troop was in Civil War. But was it? No. No. F-Troop after, F-Troop, they were fighting Indians. Was F-Troop just like a Wild West kind of Yeah, so that would have been after the Civil War. All right. So because the, all these Civil War guys were bored, so they decided to go kill Indians. So there was that sort of America's default setting. Yeah. So what should we do? Well, I don't know. Let's take something from somebody that was here first. So now that we've taken over America, now we venture overseas. Uh, so uh, Civil War comedy. There was The Secret Diaries of Desmond Pfeiffer, which people may not remember because it was on, A, it was on UPN, and B, it got canceled after like five minutes 
because people like Spike Lee screamed about it. The Secret Diaries of Desmond Pfeiffer was a wacky sitcom that took place, if I remember correctly, during the Civil War, and the gag was that it was, you know what it is? You remember the show Benson? It was just like Benson, but during the Civil War, and the gag was that I think the premise was that Abraham Lincoln had a black servant or butler or something who secretly kind of ran the whole White House. And so it was like a zany Civil War comedy where a black guy is secretly running things behind the scenes. And I think Spike Lee's head exploded, and he screamed out, and they took it off the air. So World War One, uh, no, but in uh, Britain they had Blackadder. World War Two, so we have Hogan's Heroes, Mikhail's Navy, and then somewhere between those we had uh, F Troop. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Korea, Mash. Uh, let's see, and that was 20 years after the fact as well, so that's also kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. A little more pointed though, it wasn't quite as slapsticky as Hogan's Heroes. Uh, after Korea, remember that show Rat Patrol? Oh, that was good. That was World War Two. Was Rat Patrol World War Two? That yeah, was a drama really though. Jeeps. They're in the. Uh, they're in Africa. Uh, man, Rap, Jeeps. Rap Patrol was a great show. There was also Combat during that period of time, an old black and white show. You don't see it very often anymore, though. Wait, was Rap Patrol, were those American troops? Yeah. What, what were they doing in Africa? We fought in Africa. Those those were the first battles of World War II. Is that true? Yeah. I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. And and we lost there. Oh. And so did the British. Is that, why we, is that why we don't talk about it very much? Is that why it was never taught to me in school? Because we lost, so therefore it wasn't really brought up? No, no, no. We only went to Germany. And eventually other, eventually other we did win. Those were right. the first battles. Well, fair enough. All right, so uh, Rat Patrol. Yeah, the Germans were there in Africa with tanks. Uh, that's right. That was Rommel. Yeah. Rommel was there. Rommel the, was there. The Desert Fox. Hey, he was kicking uh, everyone's ass. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, so that's World War II, Korea, Yamash. Uh, and then after that, Vietnam, I guess. There were no Vietnam. No, there are no Vietnam comedies. That was nothing to laugh about. <laughs> Not like most wars, which are hilarious. Uh, Vietnam, was a, uh, Vietnam was our first non-comedy war, Tim. Uh, let's see. And then after that, there was Grenada. Seems like there ought to be a Grenada sitcom. That didn't last very long. Grenada or the Falkland Islands. Seems like there ought to be a kooky sitcom made about that. Uh, let's see. Then Gulf War One. No. No. Was there anything between Gulf War One and Gulf War Two? We bomb anybody? Oh, uh, the 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 Balkan or no, not Serbia, Slobodan Milosevic, Croatia. Yeah, all right, whatever that country is. So that I would say, over there. in the view of liberal Hollywood, Tim, yeah. uh, the last funny war, Korea. Probably. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. The more you know. Let's take a break. Back after this. Uh, yeah, it's twelve forty. Wow. All right. Uh, Tim Riley returns after this with uh, more from the Ministry of Truth. Jim Rube coming up. Uh, top five guitar pop songs. Uh, Mr. Skin and so forth. Here's uh, GoPhone spokesperson Meatloaf. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Okay, this is kind of weirding me out. Because right on the screen in front of me, I have you dressed exactly as you are now in real life in the studio with me. 
So like, I have this weird thing in my field of vision where there's like a little tiny version of you on my computer screen and then the real life version because you just took a photograph of yourself and uploaded it to uh, to MySpace. So I'm the MySpace. If you go to Sarah's uh, MySpace page, you, you can see her uh, with her new glasses and her I Believe in Harvey Dent shirt. God, right. this is the greatest shirt ever. I'm so excited about it. Thank you, Chris. Window's kind of freaking me out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll get your calls here in just a moment. Uh, coming up later on, more from... Uh... Wait, no, I'm doing it all backwards. In a moment, more from Tim Riley. Then we'll get some calls. Top five later on, Jim Roop, Mr. Skin, and so forth. Here's your personal savior, Tim Riley. I thought it was coming up after, what? according to what you just described. After what? I don't know. After what's coming up next. What's coming well, no, I really don't know what's coming up next or after. After he finished talking. You, you said this, this, that, and I was supposed to come up after two other things, but you didn't say what I'm coming up after. We're caught in an infinite paradox! Okay, well, I'm here now. Hello. The FBI is looking into a suspicious fire at Portland's downtown federal building. Police discovered a fire in a trash can at Southwest Madison around 4 a.m. It had been burning for an hour. How much stuff could have been in the trash can? And how do they know that it's been burning for an hour? That is a good question, isn't it? They're making that up. The FBI came in, so did the ATF and the Federal Protective Services. The ATF is on the case. Hey, here's a question. So I'm looking at this box of 96 crayons that Shad and Southeast gave me. I'm sorry for opening the box incorrectly. Um, you know what I can't open sometimes? Small crayon boxes. Crayon boxes. Also, like small cellophane bags of like snack chips. Like I'm gonna pull them open, and and it won't open. It'll just the plastic will just stretch. Well, I want you to think about it before you open it. I'm just saying. Okay, most useless crayon. Go. Well, I already saw the crayon that you're holding. It's the white one. White. But it's not. If you have construction paper, it's not worthless. But you know, but it never really looks white on the construction paper. It's just sort of pale and chalky. Like it doesn't really it make the. It looks smeary. That's the thing. It, it looks faded. It doesn't really make the bold Let's white find a piece stripe of construction that you want. Paper. Today's white crayon is much better than those of the past. All right. I'm trying to make some sort of a joke. Blah blah blah. Here you go. Right on this. What is this? This is a piece of brown paper. See, so I think. Yeah. See, it just. Oh, yeah. see, that looks pretty nice. That's okay. I guess you got to make it, it's like a firm, you got to really hold the crayon down. you got to commit to it. All right. Okay, no, fair enough. All right, never mind. I take it back. Here's Tim Riley. So, on the YouTube, we have this high-profile divorce case. And a strange wife is posting a YouTube video. Oh, I read about this. That airs considerably a dirty laundry in the way of accusations about her estranged husband and his family. Yeah, they're in the middle of a divorce, and so I guess she posted some YouTube video uh, where she uh, is all kinds of vile things about him and his parents or something. Oh, really? Yeah. So this lady is, uh, she's an English lady in Swank, New York City. We never had sex. <clears throat> he had high blood pressure and he was older than me and I accepted that. Then last year when we went through this, I found Viagra, home movies, and condoms. So maybe I condoms. I love British people. Tell him we're filming and ask what he wants me to do with the condoms. She continues to lash out at her husband. So I ah. went off to London. I tried to start my life again, start my career again in London. He wants to give me nothing. This is the president of the Shepherd organization. I'm an idiot. I am the biggest <laughs> idiot in the world. Okay, that's great. Husband, We're totally excerpting that part of the number. She says, I'm an idiot. Her husband wants to throw her out in the street. I signed a prenup, and he paid for the lawyer, did the prenup. And apparently there's some clause in this prenup. He's got things that he can throw me out in 30 days. But he has to have grounds for a divorce. So he has no grounds for a divorce, but he's still trying to throw me out. She's questioning whether her husband will take care of her when he dies. When he dies... I'm I not questioning that, and I've only uh, known about this for 30 years, seconds. <laughs> the rest of my life. 
So I said to him, what happens to my pension if you have a stroke? And he said, it kicks into my bank account. And I said, well, your daughters will be controlling the bank account because then they get all his $60 million estate. Battery operating. What? What? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. You were hey. talking about um, inappropriately wacky uh, Nazi-related stuff? Yes. I was in a Germany... As opposed to appropriately wacky <laughs> Nazi stuff. Right, right. There's a distinction. You have to you have to draw a line. Fine line, Rick. Fine line. Yep. But I was in Germany uh, this last December, and I was just kind of browsing through a bookstore for, you know, whatever, and I... Uh, for Nazi memorabilia. There's plenty to be found. Well, just looking for my annual copy of Mein Kampf. I was, uh, I was looking at the, uh, you know, like the Garfields in German and all those, and... Uh, I came across a uh, book of sort of comic strips, and it's just, it's in German, written by a German guy, and it's nothing but wacky Adolf Hitler cartoons. Or it's, it's a Hitler with a giant nose and, and it's a in, little... And it's in German? Yes, it's a, it's a weird German... Uh, it's weird, because I didn't think that they could sell, but maybe they can sell it if it's if it's not considered... Uh, glorifying. In other words, like you can't sell anything that sort of, sort of is like go Nazis. But uh, in yeah. Germany, maybe you can sell stuff if it's perceived to be satirical. Then possibly uh, the it came with. A I bonus love the fact DVD. that there was a big book of Hitler things right next to a Garfield book too. <laughs> yeah, but it came with a bonus DVD, which is just about Hitler having wacky difficulties on a toilet. It's uh, it's all very bizarre. <laughs> okay, that's pretty great. Let's read the Taurus. <laughs> all right, thank you. All right, wonderful. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, how you doing, Rick? I'm okay. <laughs> hey, uh, last night I was uh, surfing through the channels, and I came on Channel 8, and it looked to be like a debate for Senator of Oregon. And, uh, man, who's the guy that he's a midget with a with a hook hand? <laughs> he's a midget. It's so funny. <laughs> Hold on, let's... I'm sure. I'm sure he appreciates. I'm sure I, I he appreciates. I, the, I guess that I missed that political ad. And I'm sure he appreciates the fact you find his stature to be hilarious. Um, I, it was. It was fantastic. You should tell him you're voting for him because Cause, cause he's he was, wacky. Yeah. Well, he was right in the middle, and so like there's a woman on one side and another man on the other and side. And a midget in the middle. And it's just like right in the middle. He sunk down with this little. Little hook. So a man, hook a, a man, a woman, and a hook-handed midget run for Senate. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, um, you know, Tim, do you I don't know if I can about? trust. I don't know if I can trust a senator that can't juggle. Oh, <laughs> that was unfortunate. Well, I mean, he speaks for all of us, Tim. This is what the common man thinks. Okay, so these were the Democratic Senate candidates: Novik Merkley. Novik and Merkley Nettle. was Fenella Spleens there as well. Oh, he is. He is uh, short in stature. Is he a midget? Would you say? Full-on midget. I would say so. They should have put he it in had, order. Oh, dude, are you kidding me? That's he like has to been a midget. No, that's like when you look at the Olympics and it's like first, second, third place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. He's the third place. I mean, in terms of, you know. Anyway. Uh, does he have a hook hand? Can you tell? It, it, the picture is so small, it's hard to tell. All right. He definitely has a hook hand. I mean, there's, there's not a question. It's Did a he at one point bang it on the podium for emphasis? Yeah, it kind of was. I, yeah, there's a little casting going on. Uh, he, that is Novik. He uses the metal uh, prosthesis that serves as his left hand to open a, a voter's beer bottle in a commercial. So you're going to have to go look for it. That's wonderful. Let me look for it. All right. Thank you, sir. Excellent.
I mean, I would, I, if I had a hook for my hand, I would constantly be putting it in people's faces to make a point. And another thing, and I would wave it just inches from their eye. All right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Novik State Senate. So it's going to be around here somewhere. All right. Now, I wonder if that's the guy who's emailed me asking to come on the show. It might be. There's some guy running for Senate who's emailed me. Okay, let's see here. I found a, I found a commercial here. What if he could juggle? That would be even, I mean, that'd be doubly impressive. Let's see if he uses that. This sounds like one of my Spokane commercials. My first Moog synthesizer? I'm looking here. Rick Wakeman is... I guess we're not going to see any commercial. Well, I try. Hold on. Oh, here we go. A beer with Steve Novick. Let's try this one. Okay. What was that last commercial? U.S. Senate candidate Steve Novick fought corporate polluters and defeated Bill Sizemore. But would you want to have a beer with him? I agree. I think most Democrats are still pretty frustrated. We're just not seeing real progress on the big challenges we're facing. If we're going to get out of Iraq, fix the broken health care system, stop global warming, we can't afford just politics as usual. What a great commercial. I'm voting for him. It's going to take a whole different level of courage. Steve Novick. Okay, He's I'm always found a way to get okay. things done. I'm, going to post I'm Steve Novick, and I approve this message. That, that is person fantastic. is amazing. I love that man. Opening a beer for a guy with his hook hand thing. Mm-hmm. That oh, is, that is genius. That's genius. Excellent. All right, wonderful. Fantastic. Hey, what about that? Do we still have that, uh, that, that uh, dumb equal time thing? Do we have to talk about everybody else now for 90 seconds? I forget how that even works these days. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Do we have to? Because there was a while where, they, uh, where no, there were exemptions they from that. Not unless somebody gets mad at us. I'm not talking about anybody else. I refuse. So, <laughs> but who else could open up a beer bottle like that? Seriously. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, if, unless there's somebody that has like a glass eye with like a happy face or something on it. This, is a, this guy is totally getting my vote. Well done, Steve Novick, who I never heard of five minutes ago. All right. It, he lives in Oregon? Uh, yeah. He is running for Oregon well, he Senate. To, yes. Interesting. Yes. He's he's here from his home world, but uh, but yes, he is running for senator of Oregon. All right, genius. I think so. Wonderful. Uh, all right, let's see what else are we doing here. Um, Richie Spelling is very Scotty-esque sometimes. Uh, this I think he's talking about. It says Jerry wants to talk about Warner Clinfork Clincon. Whatever. I, <laughs> that's the spirit, Tim. Exactly. Let's see, okay, I'm going to post this on my webpage. Oh, my gosh, you know what his website is? No. VoteTheHook.com. Yeah. Hey, I like that. Hi, what's up, sir? Hey, well, hello to everyone. Hello. hello. I hope everybody feels better than I do. What's wrong with you? Oh, I got the flu. It comes, you know, it's, <clears throat> I'm not going to go down the road. It, it, it makes. Yes. Uh, it makes Richie's face seem <clears throat> better. Well, but that doesn't make any sense. Is the flu causing your face to swell? No. Are you having to lance anything? Not yet, but I'll tell you what. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Maybe by the end of the call, if we're lucky? No. No, but I, I just, I called to talk about Warner Klemperer real quick. <laughs> of course you It'll did. make him feel a lot better. <laughs> okay. Get it out, sir. Uh, so to speak. Uh, he uh, was an attorney. As well as being a... Uh, I don't think you're going to make it through this call. I feel like we're just going to get a dial tone and a whole lot of... <gasps> at the end. I get back on my oxygen tank and I'll All right. be fine. Okay. But anyway, he was an attorney um, at the time of uh, Robert Crane's murder. Yes. Uh, Robert Clary was a suspect. 
and it, he managed to clear uh, Werner Klemperer as Robert Clary, who played Corporal LeBeau, the little French guy, was involved in Bob Crane's murder. <laughs> and uh, anyway, it's kind of some weird, you know, art mean humor, and I don't know, I feel like crap. <laughs> I like at the end, though, you kind of pulled it all together with the end. Yeah, nice. Terrible. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I hope you feel better, sir. How long have you had this? Um, this has been, let's see, I had an angiogram last Tuesday, and I've been like this ever since I left the hospital. Yeah, I don't want to alarm you. Uh, you're probably about to die from something. Well, that that is that is my goal is to outlive you. <laughs> Creepy. All right. Well, thank you, sir. Well, I hope you get better. Stay. Well, thank you for the thought. Let us, let us know if, if you turn the corner, my friend. If you, if I don't call and, and mumble into the phone anymore, you'll know. All right, thanks. Oh. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Goal is to outlive me. Okay. I'm, uh, I posted that commercial. Actually, good for you. The best of the political season. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson show. Hello. Do it now? What? Watch Hillary do the same thing. Seriously. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you can see somebody in the back room sawing off one of her fingers. Come on. I, no, this is what the people want. Hi, on the Rick Emerson show. Is this the party line? She'll totally lie about it, too. Now, I remember once when I had a hook for a hand. Uh, uh, what? you got to play that clip again. Um, did I hear it right? Uh, what? The Sizemore? No, wait. The, the, the midget guy running against Sizemore? Sizemore. He sized less. Exactly. Yeah, Is no, that, I... Isn't that what they said? He was running against Sizemore? I don't know. Tim? People have to buy time for that here. Yeah, I this suppose. This is a commercial entity. Yeah, yeah, in your face. That's like a Obama running against a guy named Whiteman. No. No, it's really not. No, it's not, not at all? No. All right. Just checking. And having checked, what is your next uh, step, sir? Probably go cry. Uh-huh. Well, in have... Corner. In <laughs> okay. Enjoy it. <laughs> it's it's KCMD Portland. A proud part of the uh, CBS radio family. I only wish that this show had happened yesterday when Scott Herman was in town. No, no, no. This is one of our one of our fine talk stations. Let's tune in. Who's, who's, who's Scott Herman? He's the executive uh, vice president of CBS Radio. I didn't think we had any of those anymore. Uh, no, we have him. He was in town yesterday. Oh, I uh, still have one. Passing, uh, passing through. I think he came to the window and waved at Sarah at one point. Uh, Had he so. come out today, he could have waved to the squirrel. Who waved to me? Scott Herman, the executive vice president of CBS Radio. Oh, you mean that very, very attractive man? Yes. Attractive and powerful. Yes. Big fan of us. Um, yeah? But, yeah. I, uh, I'm a fan of his, too. Well, <laughs> I'll We're be sure to pass fans. it along. I... Uh, but uh, had I known, I would have brought in some cigars. So too bad he couldn't tune in today to hear us making listeners cry. This, this is our AM station. They talk about hook-handed senators, and they make their audience weep. <laughs> uh, okay. KCMD Portland, here's Tim Riley. So uh, we're teenagers of beating each other and posting on the YouTube good, today. Good for a brand new one. Uh, this comes to us from Prescott, Arizona. A 14-year-old girl has been charged with attacking another girl at an Arizona charter school with a folding metal chair. Uh, Taylor Lundlund was eating... Lundlund? That's what it looks like. Is she a panda? She might be. She was eating her lunch in the cafeteria, <laughs> minding her own business, at the Achieve Academy when the brutal incident occurred. <laughs> she achieved a beating? She says the attack was obviously a surprise, but the motive was even more surprising. I just can't believe that someone would actually do that, cross that line, just because they called someone fat. 
<laughs> Who'd she call fat? Was it a fat person? The, the girl with a folding metal chair. Why would you... Okay, here's the thing. If somebody has a folding metal chair, don't go calling them fat. Mm-hmm. Well, it just so happened another student uh, taped it and put it on the popular website for the kids, the YouTube. Well, okay. The blow knocked her unconscious and left her with regular headaches. Police arrested her attacker on aggravated assault charges. Uh, Taylor said she can't understand why somebody would record her attack on video. It's more evidence, like, to the police and stuff. But to the police and stuff. I don't understand why someone would record it. Well, whatever. Because kids do that type of thing. Children are evil. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what are we doing? Spitballs uh, my day. All right, we've got uh, somebody about votethehook.com. Somebody with a station slogan. Uh, 30th birthday and something about a guy named Jim. All right. What's uh? Hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick. Jim in the coop. What's up? <laughs> You're such a dick. Thank you. That, that guy that called up the dying guy, the sick guy. He's not the dying guy. Yeah, he was. I listened to. He like, said he almost... had the flu. Yeah, but you can also be the dying guy and have the flu. Well, I suppose he that's said he true. had a huge operation last week. I guess it's like you can have a master's in two things, you know, in art and in history. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, see, so he should have clarified that he was the dying guy. Then I wouldn't have inadvertently said that and made us all feel uncomfortable. Let me further note eh, that if you had not pointed it out right now, we'd all be feeling a lot better out the day. But now, because of you, we're all going to feel strange and ashamed. Uh, uh, well, not quite what I was trying to do, but... Uh... Well done, sir. How does it feel? How does it feel to be Johnny Buzzkill? I feel good because I get to hang up the phone and go on with my life. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> later, it should bro. be noted his goal is still to outlive me, though, so... Well, we gotta look for something. Thank you. Later. Uh, hi, sir, madam, as the case may be. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Hi, Rick. How are you? Well, I'm okay. What's up? Well, I, uh, you know what? I really don't have anything to say. I'm just calling to shamelessly fish for a happy birthday from Sarah Dillon. Whose birthday is it? Today is my 30th birthday and uh, part of the worst week ever. Why is it the worst week ever? Yeah, sir? what's going on? Uh, well, I just made an appointment uh, for... Wait, hold on. Don't tell us. Oh, wait. Is it something that I'm going to feel bad if I sort of poke fun at? Well, that depends on the outcome. <laughs> well, don't poke fun at it yet. Oh, Let him I'm going to wait. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say 1-800-DIVORCE. Go ahead. Yeah, poke fun at the end of the call. Okay. Um, no, I uh, just made an appointment with a urologist to get tested for bladder cancer tomorrow. Oh. oh. I'm days away from losing my job. Why? Why? Because I sell something that nobody needs. You sell something that nobody can use? So many jokes that come to mind right now. What do you yeah. what do you sell? Not that nobody can use. Sell advertising on Air America? Yeah. I'm sorry. Do you sell satellite radio receivers? What do you no, sell, sir? Let's just say I sell a service that uh is uh not a real high demand. Okay. Are you a uh, pimp? What <laughs> no, there's always a high demand. That's a, Sarah, that sells itself. That's true. Uh so we know and it's, it's not got nice fifth. So we uh so we um uh, what kind? Uh, you sell a service, so it's not a thing. It's a service. Right. It's a. Uh, I, I really don't want to get into. It. Do you fix or repair something? No. All right. I, I it, provide. It, I'll, I'll, I'll put it like this: I provide people to provide certain services to uh, organizations hmm. in need of such services. Okay. Um, Arlene Francis, do you have a question? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I have nothing. Okay, so you're days away from losing your job, being tested for bladder cancer, uh, but the good news is you're also aging. So you're turning 30 when? Yes, today. Well, I'm sorry. Well, happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> uh, 
Are you going to well, do anything fun for your birthday? No, of course not. Well, <laughs> what are you, high? Um, Wednesday. <laughs> um, well, here's a dumb question. So when you go in, how do they, I don't mean to be gross, but when they, how do they test you for bladder cancer? Do you do like some scraping or something? Uh, yeah, they basically take a camera and send it in through the front door. Wow. wow. That's uncomfortable. Yeah. Boy, Tim just reeled back from the, uh, so how long after they do it till you figure out uh, the deal? Well, that uh, after after they do that, do I find out if I do? I mean, when do they say? Cancer? I mean, you go in and they're testing you for cancer. Do you is it a thing where they you find out in like ten minutes, or do they go like we'll call you? Well, they'll do yeah, no, they'll do that, and they'll look to see if there's any kind of a mass or anything in there that's not supposed to be in there. Uh huh. And uh, last week I had to do where they shoot you full of the dye. Yeah. So that they can get the pictures of your soft tissues. That's that's got to be an awkward. Well, what's next, Doc? Die. Yeah. And so, do they know that, anything definitively, or are they still just doing tests? Uh, still doing tests, trying to uh, basically find out why I buy people spread. Yeah. Well, that's something you want to get to the bottom of one way or the other, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, so that's right. just a string of. of all right. Well, so so bottom line, so uh, you go in tomorrow. So I mean, by, by like uh, you know, by the end of the week, could I mean, if it's good news or at least not terribly bad news, would you know that within a day or two? Uh, yeah, I believe I'll know tomorrow. Okay. Well, see. So there you go. So uh, so, so I don't, don't worry about it today. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. It's inevitable. Yeah. You know, so be tested. my advice to you is to go drink heavily tonight because tomorrow sounds like it's going to be miserable regardless. So really, what's a hangover on top of that? Very true. So yeah, that would be uh, that would be my suggestion, Sarah. I'm what, looking for I'm looking through the Willamette Week trying to see if there's anything. I was going to say, what ta- what uh, area of town do you live in, sir? Uh, Vancouver. Vancouver. Well, there's nothing fun there, I'm afraid. That's yeah. there might be your a week movie just got a little at, bit worse. Uh, Cin- Cinetopia. Cinetopia. There's a, do you like films, sir? I, I am a film buff. Yes. Uh, you can go to Cine- now. The great thing about going to Cinetopia, and this is not a paid uh, plug. I just talk about it because I like it. Let's see, Cinetopia. Uh, is because you can go there and you can booze while watching a film in mm-hmm. with like beautiful uh, uh, like uh, digital projection. Hold yeah, on a second. Great. Let me look here. What what type of film do you enjoy, sir? Uh, you know I like all. You know I like uh, drama, action, thought provocative. Let's see. Um, there is Twenty One, which is terrible. Uh, Leatherheads, yeah. which I hear mixed things about. I don't recognize anything else here. There's uh, some sort of terrifying horror film. You probably don't uh, want that at this point. Yeah, I got nothing there. Um, right. What else? Is hey, Rick. A funny, funny thing is, I was actually the guy last week when you were doing the uh, "If You Get Sent to Hell, This Song Will Be Played for All Eternity." I was the guy that said "Geek Like Me" by the Wonderstruck. Thanks, thanks so much for that. Uh, well, the ruins comes back like a bitch, doesn't it? <laughs> the ruins is playing. Uh, Aaron said that that wasn't bad. Well, there's the ruins, so you could go see the ruins at Cinetopia, which smart people looks really interesting too. And Aaron Duran gives a thumbs up to both those films. And again, you can uh, drink yourself uh, silly on red wine while you're there. I really would rather just like go rent Juno or something. Uh, like I would strongly that. advise recommend renting Ju- Juno is a life affirming uh, film, my friend. They have it at the dollar movie boxes now. <laughs> you can go rent it at Safeway I on your way to pick up some I Mike's Hard Lemonade. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, enjoy your night to whatever extent that's possible, and let us know how things turn out for you, sir. Okay. Well, All right. Thank you, my friend. All right, happy birthday. All right. Good luck. Thank happy you, sir. Birthday. All right. There you go. Happy birthday. There's that guy. Well, all right then. You know, you really never know what's going to be there when you answer the phone. No. It is just, uh, that really is, just, it is very much the the rolling of the 20-sided die when you do that. Um, Richie's now suggesting a series of strip clubs that the guy could go to. Here's Tim Riley. Well, police say a man dressed as a woman repeatedly crashed his car into a suburban Detroit lingerie store that had refused to hire him earlier this year. 
Uh, the sheriff says 27-year-old Jeremy McIntosh was arrested right outside the Intimate Ideas store yeah. in Commerce Township, about 25 miles northeast of Detroit. The average of the store estimated at $3,000. McIntosh was wearing facial makeup, lipstick, blue capri pants, red flip-flops, a flowery blouse, and a matching flowery Wait, woman's on. bra. Blue capri pants and red flip-flops? He was even wearing a, a bra? A flowery blouse and a matching flowery woman's bra. No, no, no. I'm afraid the red flip-flops and the blue capris, that's... Uh... Tom, why would you wear a bra if you don't have to? Well, because he's homeless and he wanted to go to jail because he has no other place to go. Well, isn't it? Okay. All right. It seems like you could find an easier way to just punch somebody. Well, maybe. Maybe not. All right. So he was a cross-dresser, though. Yes. All right. You know, I, I made this observation, I think, a while back, but it bears repeating that it really must suck to be a male-to-female cross-dresser way more than the other way around because no matter how good you look in the morning, by about 4.50 in the afternoon, you're just going to look terrible because you just got... I mean, unless you've had some sort of weird electrolysis. Last time I was at... Uh, what the hell? I think it was when I was uh, picking Lara up from the airport or something. So the airport, and there's that coffee people there, and there's a cross-dresser who's helping me, which is fine. But it's some, it, And of course, and have you noticed this, too, that every time there's a cross-dresser, it's never a, sort of a small man. Every time you see a guy who is a cross-dresser as a woman, it's always some guy who's like the size of a linebacker. There's, there's a cross-dresser at my Safeway that I go to. Really? Mm-hmm. And is it, but, I mean, is it a large person? A very large. Not, not um, no, but obese, tall. but really tall. Yeah, it's never, you know, it's never someone of diminutive size that feels like they really are supposed to be a woman and are cross-dressing. It's always a guy who's like 6'3", and is huge, you know, just built like a wall. Uh, and then by the end of the day, there's like the unpleasant five at like the Homer Simpson shadow uh, coming through the makeup. It's all very awkward. Like, you just kind of want to go... Look, I'll, I'll cover for you for five minutes. You can just, you know, you go to the bathroom and take care of that. So, by the way, uh, anybody who spends time in the uh, lovely town of Silvers in Oregon has seen the great cross-dresser that works at the movie theater there, which is really fantastic. Uh, here's Tim Riley. So Madonna's husband, Guy Ritchie, went on the cookie diet and stopped wanting to have sex with her as a result. The cookie diet. The cookie diet. Madonna said her husband went on the cookie diet, and it was such a turn-off because he didn't want to have sex anymore. This is an 800-calorie-a-day diet, reportedly tried by Kelly Clarkson and Jennifer Hudson. It uh, did help Richie drop the pounds. He Wait. did lose weight, but he didn't need to lose that Wait, weight. He ate 800 calories a day? Yeah, cookies. I think that'll... And Jennifer Hudson and Kelly Clarkson are both still, you know, they're, they're, they're proportioned people's... women. <laughs> they're proportioned women. Women of large carriage, as Michael Mara would say. All right. I don't think 800 calories a day is a healthy amount to be eating. I think that's substantially under what you need to, you know, survive and live and so forth. All right. Well, whatever. So it worked for somebody. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, it's funny. Uh, when you all talked about Steve Novick, I did a quick Yahoo search. And guess what his official website is? Is it BoatTheHook.com? BoatHook.com. 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 That's fantastic. You know what it is? That's a guy making a have out of a have-not. And if you want to see something fantastic, go, to, where, uh, and go to the part where it says click here to buy buttons and stuff from the campaign store. Uh-huh. It, the button, it's this great big American flag with, with, a, gigantic, with a gigantic prosthetic hook on the yeah. front Are of you it. kidding me? No, it's true. No, Hold on. Oh, dude. It's insane. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going there right now. Hold oh on. my God! I love this country. You know, and, you could, t- and his T-shirt is hooked on Novik. You could. <laughs> you could never do that uh, in another country. It is the most fantastic thing I've ever seen. Okay, now here, really, can I? You're just... showing up. Mine isn't showing no, up. No, no, I got it. Uh, <laughs> oh, that is Vote great. 
Dude, that is that wonderful. It's an American it's really flag with a big hook on it. Can I really, and I, I know this sounds like a boat hook. It's boathook.com. Oh, my God. Can I be really, can I just say this might sound corny or cheesy or sappy or whatever, but you know what? God damn it, this is a great country. Really, honestly, think about this. We've got, uh, you know, it, 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 you look at the uh, the presidential spectrum right now. Uh, you've got everybody represented. You've got, you know, you've got uh, you've got the left represented. You've got the white represented. You've got men. You've got women. For the first time, we have varying uh, races up there, which is at least a step forward, if not uh, the step forward that we all need. You've got Ron Paul holding down the crazy contingent, and here running for the U.S. Senate, a guy who's a midget with a hook. God damn, I love this. <laughs> oh, yeah, my God. I can't stop laughing. I'm sorry. No, no, it's great. And clearly he has a sense of humor about it. This is a man who has taken... Uh... This is a man who's taken the disadvantageous position, and he has made it a selling point. Yeah, but can you think, I mean, you go in and you, you do your voting thing, and, you know, imagine if there were still voting booths in Oregon. You know, vote for A, vote for B, or C. Or vote you hook. Vote for the midget with the hook hand. Yeah. Thank <laughs> oh, you, sir. Uh, okay. Right. Thank you, my friend. Bye now. All He's right. officially did, uh, endorsed by Colin Malloy of the Decembrists. Ah, that's wonderful. Oh, by the way, this guy says, so sad that we have to turn to the audience for this. Cause my, so my understanding, Rick, is you only have to give them equal time if the guy came on your show. If another candidate wanted to come on your show, you might have to give him time. So we talk about it. We don't have to give him equal time. Well, this listener's just I don't know. You're, you're the boss here. <laughs> you're asking me. I'm the employee. I suppose. Wait, hold on. Let's see here. Let's um. Let's see. I'm going to uh, see if we can I'm find out. that graphic. I know what the equal time thing is. I can't remember these days. DBS Radio Portland. Hi. Uh, this is Rick Emerson. Is Susan Reynolds around? Um, one moment. Thank you. Where's this hook that you speak of? I have no idea who that was. It it's the way. button that he sells. He sells a button that says vote hook. Oh. Okay. <gasps> I'm putting it up here. Full size. Insert into place. It's always a bad sign. If Susan doesn't answer the first ring, This is Susan there. Reynolds, marketing wow. director for CBS. Um, who else could I ask? Um, well, we'll figure something out. Bridget would know? Nah, I don't know. Bridget kind of holds down the graphics end of it. And I don't think Chris Paddock would know. He never has to deal with them. Um, How about uh, Les politics. Moonves? <laughs> Nicole Les. Why? Don't we... Too bad Scott Herman's not here. I could drag him in and ask him that. Uh, hold on, Lane. Let me try one okay. I, I posted this hook on my website. Try one more person. Okay. Um, you know who might know? This is just I, I should have had this should have been my first call actually. GBS <clears throat> Radio Portland. Hi, this is Rick again. Is Lacey Turner here? Lacey Turner. Yeah. Want me to transfer you to her? Yes, that would be fantastic. Sure. <laughs> One moment. Or anybody that might be in the building. Who is that? I don't know. I have no idea who that was, and I don't think they know who we are. Yeah, I don't think they know who Lacey is. Lacey Turner. I haven't seen her today. She's who? <laughs> Well, now I'll never know. I haven't seen her. Hi, like... this is Public Affairs Coordinator Lacey Turner. That doesn't sound like her. No, it doesn't. That's yeah, weird. Well, it's like you didn't sound like you're some of the fun. You know, we went through that whole call with you from the Portland airport, and Tim didn't know it was you. No, really? At the no end idea. of it, who was that? <laughs> and I said it was Sarah Dillon. He goes, Sarah Dillon who? And I said, you know, our, our yeah, Sarah Dillon. Is... That <laughs> it doesn't sound like her at all. All right. Uh, vote hook. So you posted that? Yes. All right. Fantastic. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hey, um, I'm having a great week, by the way. My boss is on vacation, so excellent. So, are you are you drunk as we speak? <laughs> Informed. Excellent. But, Wonderful. Um, yeah, yeah. I wanted to just kind of throw out there that uh, the the um, slogan, a slogan for AM 970, from Act possibly, uh, preferably in an Adam West type Family Guy voice. AM 970. It's good for your ears, cracker. Is that maybe? I'll jot it down, sir. 
Okay. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. There you go. Thank you very much. Uh, well, somebody's on the warm line. I wonder who that might be. Hello. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Susan Reynolds here. Hi, Susan. How are you? I am well. Thank you. Hey, uh, so because we're typically just a bunch of jackasses who don't do anything serious, um, I don't know just... Are you playing the Hogan's Heroes theme over there, Tim? I'm not. No. No, that was my uh, oh. the Calypso ring of my cell phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, what is the deal with equal time? Wait, who, to whom do we have to give it and when? Do you know? Well, I believe if you invite a candidate on, you have to give equal time to the opposing candidate. So is that only if a candidate is invited? What if a guy just calls us up? Oh, does somebody call you up? No, but I'm saying the, we're talking about a lot about this hook guy. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. He has a name. What is his name? Novik. Novik. No nope. sentence. Nope. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Okay, I've seen him. He, in fact, you know, I happened to be flipping the channels the other night, and I saw a debate going on, and it was just an odd thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really want to get into why, but if you saw it, you know why. It's because he has a metallic claw. And he's also, you <laughs> know, midget. he's teeny. No, he's teeny. <laughs> well, aren't you the teeniest little senator? Uh, so, uh, so we've been talking a lot about him, and, and, and look, you know how these people work. Sure. You, you talk about something like this long enough, inevitably the phone rings, and it will be the politician or would-be politician with that faux casual tone of voice. Hey, Rick, big fan, long time listener. Heard you, heard you talking about me just now. Thought I'd give you a ring. Did he say long time listener, first time caller? Undoubtedly, that will happen. So my question then is, uh, like, do I then have to allow everybody else on if they just had to call? I think so. Well, screw that. We're not letting anybody on then. So well, I mean, I'm not going to let this show degenerate into a into a forum for the series. No, you don't Susan. want that. However, if they happen to call, you know, and sometimes you just pick up the phone randomly, you might accidentally get one of them. Well, I'm going to pretend that I didn't know who it was. Well, all right. I will I will pretend after the fact that it was some sort of an impersonator. And then by by the same token, I will pretend we never had this conversation. What if I? Okay, let me ask you this. Here's yeah. another interesting question for for purposes of the equal time law. What if instead of having a senatorial candidate on, I just had someone come on and pretend to be them? Oh. I wonder if then I have to have equal time by having somebody come on and pretend to be the other candidate. <laughs> yes, but you can bet that if a candidate hears someone was pretending to be them, you've opened up a whole other can of worms. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. All right. Vote Claw. All right. All right. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. All Bye. Right, there you go. That's Susan Reynolds. You can tell sometimes that Susan is just barely tolerating us. <laughs> Here's Tim Riley. I think it's all very exciting. It is. Uh, so, in honor of Susan, we'll have a story from Chicago, because I think that's where Chicago, that toddling town? Mm -hmm. right. The packed rush hour subway train had been stopped for about an hour yesterday morning, held up by a malfunctioning train ahead. It was hot and stuffy inside. The passengers turned nervous and impatient. Ignoring pleas of transit workers, they decided to leave the train and walk through the dimly lit tunnel toward freedom. The unauthorized evacuation caused a bigger problem, fearing that passengers could be electrocuted by the third rail. Officials shut off power, which travels in the, the huge system, which is outside O'Hare International Airport. Yeah. Ser service there was disrupted for four hours, and more than a thousand passengers had to be helped on several trains. If those particular passengers had not self-evacuated, we would have gotten people out there much sooner, say the people in charge of the Chicago Transit Authority. Uh, so apparently a lot of people walked. An undetermined number of passengers from a total of four trains forged ahead in the dark about two hours after the ordeal uh, began. Some emerged from the subway crying, dirt on their hands and face. An executive at the office was uh, told to avoid the subway and take cabs, but people apparently uh, were frustrated. All of them being led by Sylvester Stallone, bravely clutching a glow stick in his hands. Seven separate minor injuries. Many pass out. Others throw up. 
Okay. It was total chaos in the mess. People were getting sick, and they were angry. I love it when things become total chaos. Also, when just situations degenerate into open anarchy. Uh, two things. A, I'm looking at PerezHilton.com because I guess there's a... a, a oh, my God. Okay, I was opening because there's a photograph of the cross-dressing guy. Did you see the mugshot? No, I haven't. Oh, dude. It's like some unholy feminine Danny Kay, but like in hell. Um, it, it, here, look at the uh, look at the dead, lifeless eyes. Oh yeah, that's the face that'll cut your skin off. Oh man. I I've come to. You know uh, who he kind of looks like? I'm sorry. Look at that face. Looks like Paris Hilton. Uh, I can see that also. If you look at the top of PerezHilton.com today, which I typically don't do, uh, I can see that Perez Hilton has changed his little banner there at the top, and he's put up a new a new picture of himself, sort of a drawing in which he makes himself look, I have to say, both A, much more attractive, and B, much more slender than he is in real life. Yeah, he's so just a... That's the, uh, yes. <laughs> All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. That's the way they do it every time. Well, how would you like to be a Colombian? Thousands have been evacuated after a volcano erupts in a shower of hot ashes. This is a remote volcano, 150 miles northwest of Bogota, like that means anything to anyone. About uh, 3,500 people are leaving and are being evacuated from the villages. Uh, it is more calm than it was, but lava is still flowing. Uh, back uh, recently, a town was wiped off the map, and 25,000 people were killed when another volcano erupted, and people just didn't leave quickly enough. So thank goodness you live in America where well, we don't have volcanoes swallowing things up. Uh, Bill Cosby's camp, whatever that might be, continues to deny reports that he plans a rap album. Uh, Billboard.com reports the legendary comedian slash actor who will act as, as executive producer and co-writer of these rap songs entitled Cosby Narratives, Volume 1, State of Emergency. Cosby has enlisted other rappers for the project, so who knows who to believe at this point. Urinals are reportedly being installed on passenger aircraft to cut down the lines to the laboratory. The one-man units will be set up in cubicles alongside the conventional laboratories. Designed by the Germans who make things at work, this will be a radical innovation for commercial airline passengers. Urinals have already been installed in some military aircraft. Who would have known? Uh, urinals could be in use as early as next year. They decline to say what technology is being used. They are smaller and take up less room than conventional toilets. I don't trust anything made by the Germans. Uh, the uh, urinals will also save water because they would not need to be flushed after every visit. Yeah. All right. Hi. That's exactly what I want. That's what I want a toilet you never have to clean. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, man. That's the American dream. Yeah. Uh, don't trust things built by Germans, but, you know, Germans love David Hasselhoff. Yes, it is true. I was just going to say the guy who called a while ago, who, uh, who he called you a name. Yes, the guy that going, said I was a dick. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, feels pretty good, doesn't it? Making fun of the shortcomings of others? There it is. Yeah, all right. There it is. I'm just a saying. All right. You're not allowed to run here anymore. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank, mm -hmm. thank you. All right. I was trying for a little alley-oop there. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how you doing? What's up? Uh, yeah, I was just going to throw this little tidbit out there. The uh, <clears throat> the guy you're talking about in Silverton actually uh, actually used to be the mayor, which is pretty No, great. the mayor of Silverton? Really? Yeah, still. That is righteous. No, it's great to. Uh, here's the thing. I love. Uh, I love Silverton, Oregon. I really do. It is the. Uh, if uh, Gilmore Girls fans in the house will sort of know the city of Stars Hollow. It is the. It is the closest thing that I think in Oregon we have to the town of Stars Hollow. And you go there, and it literally is like a ice cream store. There is a bar. There is a video store. There is a movie theater. There's one. 
and you go to the movie theater, the movie theater is always is showing one movie per week. It changes, I think, on Fridays or Saturdays or something. They're showing one movie on their one screen, and it's a small enough town that there is one person tearing tickets and one person mounting the snack bar. And the person who tears tickets is this huge six-foot-tall transvestite, which is just great, especially and always wearing a shirt that says something like, girls do it better. And the great thing about it is it is a very small, sort of quaint little town, but clearly, everybody there just loves the transvestite, and that would actually go a lot way toward explaining it if, if, if the transvestite had been the mayor at some point. Well, he, he hadn't uh, quite, you know, made the switch back when he was mayor. I, I grew up down here, so I was, uh, I was a bit younger. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he sort of uh, got, got done with that and then, uh, you know, made his transfer. No, it's great. I'm the biggest fan of that guy. So, uh, all right. Thank you, sir. Yeah, good time. All right, let's do one more, and then we'll take a break. Come back. Mr. Skin, Tim Riley, top five guitar pop songs, uh, and so forth. We never did read this pamphlet about why you shouldn't date an older man, either. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Well, we missed some of the uh, the big events in Silverton, including Bobby Day. Apparently, they pay uh, tribute to Bobby in February. Bobby is a wonder dog. Oh, yeah, no, they've got a whole mural for Bobby. He traveled more than 2,800 miles from Indiana. It's true. He was lost to Silverton when he arrived. Well, this happened in 1924. I have got a photograph, uh, because I'm a big retard, I got a photograph of me and my dog Max posing next to the Bobby mural in Silverton. Uh, and so uh, Bobby is this dog. The family had moved from Indiana to Oregon. The dog had somehow jumped off the wagon or the bus or whatever it is they were traveling by. And they thought Bobby was lost. And then months later, just Ron Burgundy style, the dog appeared in Silverton. Uh, it had followed the masters, like, for however many miles that is, like 1,800 miles or something. Uh, the dog suddenly appeared. And so the, if you go to Silverton to this day, there is a, there's a whole long wall in the middle of the city where there's a whole mural showing um, – Bobby, the, the map he would have had to take uh, to walk across the country to be reunited with his owners. There is uh, There are reproductions of the newspaper headlines that ran in, like, the Silverton Bugle or whatever it was, showing, like, Miracle Dog returns to Silverton. And there is a big replica of his doghouse in the very middle of the city. I mean, Silverton is really a great little town. Maybe, a, maybe that's why they have a prep parade. It says here, children take their best friends, anything from a llama horse, bunny dog, or even a ladybug. To stroll through downtown Silverton, people line the streets and cheer them on in the tradition that started more than 70 years ago. We ought to sponsor something. It like is that. no, it's the greatest town. It really, and again, I, I can't state this enough. How cool it is to go to the theater there because it's not like a, a regal or a multiplex. It, it is a, it is the very definition of a little small town movie theater that has two employees, one screen, and there is only one movie that shows once a night. That's it. So it's pretty great, actually. It's kind of like it's uh, Oregon's own Mayberry. Well, they have Free Fish Day, June 19th. You know who was born there? I know this. Howard Hessman. Well, well done, Tim Riley. Fantastic. Look at you. All right. Uh, let's take a break here. We'll come back more of Tim Riley around the corner. Uh, what else have we? Top five guitar pop songs. Uh, James Rube coming up. Mr. Skin and more about Rick Emerson. Listener Party 2008. Emerson's 11. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Rick, about that logo with the Roman numeral 6 in the background? 
Maybe it's a reference to that computer glitch you had in the old studio. Remember out of the blue, that voice that used to come on and say six all the time? Maybe I'm just reading between the lines too much. Jesus, I am a tool and need to get a life. All right, well, there's no way to know for sure. This one says, Rick, from all those missions so far, I prefer the 7-Eleven logo. I don't think it fits the event, but it's the most creative of the bunch. Uh, fits the pop culture segment of the show, blah, 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 blah. All right, so there's that. Uh, you can see all of the logos that have been submitted so far, as of this morning anyway, at rickemerson.com. Uh, you got a logo for Rick Emerson Listener Party 2008, uh, which is coming up Thursday, May 15th, 8 p.m. Uh, you can submit that at 970.am. 970.am. That is the uh, place to do that. All right, we'll get uh, Mr. Skin here in just a few minutes. Uh, still to come, Jim Roop, top five guitar pop songs. This, however, is your personal savior, Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. No more spanking kids with paddles in California. Damn it. A bill banning that and other types of spanking has moved forward in the state legislature in California today. The bill, which would prohibit spanking with a device such as a wooden paddle, spoon, rolled-up newspaper, switch, belt, or brush, passed the Assembly for Public Safety. Critics said the bill says it violates the rights of parents to beat their children senseless. Seriously, that's what being an American parent is all about, Tim. The that's what God wants. <laughs> he wants you striking your children with something really solid. A uh, Welch uh, pensioner was stunned with an x-ray. Oh, uh, he was stunned with an x-ray. <laughs> pensioner. I barely knew her. He showed he had a broken leg for half a century. Uh, Roy Calloway smashed his right limb in several places in a motorbike accident in 1958. He spent six months uh, out of work and two years in crutches while surgeons tried to reset the fractures. Afterwards, he was still plagued with pain but accepted it. What, is he British or something? Yes, he is. Oh, we'll see. There you go. They can never fix anything over there. But in later life, the pain grew so bad that he went to his uh, doctor and was amazed when he was told his femur, tibia, and fibular bones uh, never healed properly. Femur? I barely knew her. He's been living in agony for half a century. The pain was intolerable for most of my life. I came as a complete shock when I saw the leg was still broken. But it explains a lot. That's like one of those women who has like a 9,000-pound tumor or something inside her ear and doesn't realize it forever. And in Britain, they can never... They get the feeling there was just a whole lot of like, well, there's a big hole in your face. Let's fill it with putty. You know, or just... what? what goes... Porridge. <laughs> exactly. I, I think it was either yesterday or today uh, that my uh, wife went to the dentist. I think it might be today. She has a dent. She has three dental appointments over the next three weeks. One a week for three weeks. Uh, because not unlike myself, she uh, we've had insurance for a while, but you, you know, well, she's had insurance like forever. But it, I finally just got it, and uh, my dental plan is better than hers, and blah 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 blah. So she didn't go to the dentist in a long time. So she just finally did the thing that I did, where she just pulled the ripcord. I'm going to go to the dentist. Screw it. And of course, the dentist, you know, did the same thing mine did, where he kind of looked inside and went, "Oh, this is what a mess." And so now she's all this catch-up to do uh, in terms of her uh, her dental hygiene and health. So I guess, I don't know if this is the same thing you had, Tim, but she is just, like, full of fillings. Like, her whole mouth is just metal. But uh, I guess the, the fillings have gone bad or something. Yeah, or, then they crack your teeth. Yeah, yeah, I think there's some of that. And he used some phrase that was singularly off-putting, something about how her fillings were leaking. I don't even know what that means. Oh, eh, that's that bad. It doesn't sound like a thing you want happening inside your mouth, though. No, it's because when you put liquid in, it's like, ah! <laughs> it, it, it's, it's terrible pain that's unexplainable, but it's there. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just filled with terrible, unexplainable pain. I, uh, it's the damnedest thing. So, no, uh, you know, those fillings aren't designed to last more than 30 years, so they're probably childhood-type things. No, you know, and they're not toys, either. That's the other thing. Fillings, fillings are, are not, not toys. toys. Uh, all right, so in any event, so, so she's got to go in and have a whole bunch of... 
I don't know. She's gonna have a whole bunch of crap done. It's uh, gonna be, be, be doing something awful and unpleasant to her. So uh, in any event, I I don't know what my point was here. Battery operated. Here's Tim Riley. I'm gonna bring that thing in tomorrow. Okay. I'm surprise you. I'm just gonna turn it on and let you identify. Is it an electric ear cleaner? Well, it's a nose uh, or any kind of uh, hair trimmer. It's for the ears and the nostrils. Hair trimmer. I barely knew her. So it's uh, is it like the Remington kind with the point? It's Panasonic. It's a Panasonic, but does it have many attachments? No. Oh, see, because mine, had, the one at home does, it has like an attachment for like your sideburns or whatever, and like if you had like a mustache of some kind, and then it's got the other where it goes down to the narrow, so you can just kind of, like just do the nose part. Nope, mine has one thing, and it works perfectly. And it makes that noise. Yep. Okay. Right. okay. Time for a snuff watch. Here's your snuff watch uh, for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. This guy has a good point. He says, about that British dude, how do you tolerate intolerable pain for 50 years? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Well, they're British, I guess. You just learned to, you just learned to live with it. Here's Tim Riley. They last of it. Why can't I hear myself? Up? Okay, now I'm back. Hello? No, no, I can't. The last of Walt Disney's original team of animators, known as the Nine Old Men, as at the age of 95, Ollie Johnson worked for Disney for 43 years. Drawing characters for animated Mickey Mouse short films before contributing such classics as Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Pinocchio, Peter Pan, and The Jungle Book, he died of natural causes in Sequim, Washington, wherever that is. Uh, starting with Song of the South in 1946, he became a directing animator and served in that capacity in nearly every film after that. He retired in 1978 after finishing The Fox and the Hound. Sequim is right next to Rhinestone. <laughs> wherever that is. Uh -huh. uh, his fellow animator, uh, Frank Thomas, recalled the importance of developing animated characters. First thing you try to do is communicate what your character is feeling, what they're thinking. If you're trying to make a point that would educate people, well, you still have to do it in the most entertaining way. I'd say the character's feeling the cold embrace of death. Man, if I, this is when I wish you would have seen Family Guy, because he sounds exactly <laughs> like this old guy. I can't remember the name of the character on Family Guy. Uh, I do believe that uh, Ollie, uh, what's his guts, and that one of the other 90 men is, he is depicted toward the end of The Incredibles, uh, which is a fantastic film. If you've seen The Incredibles, there's that big action sequence at the end, and there are those two, goal, uh, two guys that made the joke about uh, how there's no school at the old school, and I think those are... A couple of that is their voices too, and it's sort of the last remaining of the nine old men who were, you know, alive at that time. So, and I think he did night on Bald Mountain too. I think that's the other thing about that guy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there's your snuff watch for uh... Wednesday. Wednesday, yes. What smells good in here? Sarah, is that you? I the uh is there something over there? Are you eating something? Yes. What are you eating? What is it? What is it? I can't see it. It's a viso, but it's not I'm a eating my easy mac. <laughs> it's uh, true. Oh, it smells really good though. But you it's know It's really now, good. I have an extra one. Uh you know, as soon as the show gets uh, over now I have to eat one of those. Are those in the vending machine? Mm-hmm. Oh, but Shad, when he brought you your crayons that you just decided to destroy <laughs> I damaged when I opened. So he brought you Easy Mac? What flavor? Uh, Not that it matters. Like, I wouldn't eat it regardless. All right, yeah, I'm gonna, can I have the other one? 
I mean, are you yeah, offering have, the other I one? I have four. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, yes, yes. I, I want you to four. eat them. You have a massive stash of <laughs> Easy Mac just kept at all times. All right, here. So here's the guy. So this is who I thought he sounded like. Why don't you come by my basement and listen to some old records? I can totally see yeah. that. Yeah. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, the ex-nanny of Rob Lowe claims she was sexually abused. One of the three employees being sued by Rob Lowe said the actor was sexually abused every year, but she continued to work for him because she loved him. Actually, she said she loved your two boys, or their two boys, and needed the job. Sure, she wasn't loving his two boys. I always thought it would be different when I went back, but it wasn't, she said. I stayed as long as... I thought it would become fun. She stayed because of the children and that she needed a job. Wait, so is she underage or something? No, I'm I don't think so. No, no, she's... So she's complaining because she was messing around with Rob Lowe. No, 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 Sarah, it was sexual abuse. Sexual abuse. That she kept going back to because she needed a job. What's by your Rob job? Lowe. Well, I'm uh, sexually abused, sexually by, Rob abused by Rob Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Well, I'm a stenographer. I'm a stenographer. I wonder if he. Uh... Oh, never mind. I'm just saying. I'm sure a lot of people would want to take her place. Seems like there ought to be some. Did he give her full coverage? Does he? Does she get? Um... Did he give her something? No. Seems like there ought to be some. Did he give her full dental? But I don't even really know what that would mean. It's not really even a joke. That's just sort of a half, that's a half-baked comedic musing is what that is. All right. Well, apparently she left at least two times to pursue other jobs, overturned, asking for more hours. At the other jobs, you have to do more than just lay there and be shook by Rob Lowe. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, seriously, F her. I'm uh, really ungrateful, bitch. Seriously, honestly. I think that's what the judge is going to say. You know what? I would, I would let Rob Lowe sexually assault me for the right amount of money. I'm sorry. I think a lot of people would let Rob Lowe sexually assault them. Yes. I Wait, now by some people, Sarah, do you mean you? Got to make a living somewhere. <laughs> Excellent. I like your style. All right, here's Tim Riley. So it's a shame of Rob Lowe's... Well, lady. really, honestly. I mean, what judge is possibly going to take that seriously? That she repeatedly went back because she, quote, needed the money somehow. And loved his children. Yeah, yeah. And what's sexual abuse like when you're an adult? Like, I what, is he, what is he doing? I don't Does she claim specifically what he was doing? She did, but I can't read it on the air. Well, can I see it's it? In, it's in another copy, which I did not print out. Oh, really? Yeah. You had, is it in that? Uh, it, it's online, yes. Go uh, look. Where, where might I be able to find this? Anywhere, really. Um, all right. Hold on. Well, maybe there's a way that I can clean it Rob up for the Lowe air. Rob sex abuse. <laughs> the, it, it'll spit out thousands of pieces of copy about Rob Lowe. Let's see. Sex. We'll just sit here until we find it. All right. In the meantime, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir and madam. Uh, hey, so uh, that vote the hook thing has got... Use any of them. No, no, but the vote the hook thing is really good. It is. All, All right. right, well, thank take you. care. Bye. Bye. I don't I... know what people think what kind of station no, this is. Seriously. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, Hello. About, yeah, Bill Ng, yeah. I barely knew Ng. Sasha Weber. Do you regret everything? All right, bye. So. Okay. Okay, I cannot find this damn Bob story. Lowe. It's everywhere. I know. I keep none That's of them are the loading. Loading. Uh, let's see here. All right, here we go. Uh, I've got this one. Um, Low in trouble again. His former nanny files sex abuse countersuit. Mm-hmm. All right, is that the one I'm looking for? I'm not, yeah, I didn't see anything bad in this one. Uh, so Super you're saying that there's a description of her allegations in this, Tim? This oh, is yeah. I just saw one inappropriate touching. Let's see. This is from the money. Oh, wow. I told you. Okay. Um, All right, I want to see. Okay, she, so she has a very trashy mouth. Well, she was paid. She paid eighteen dollars an hour. I'd demand more. 
Um, so here we go. This is um. Uh, how do I put this? Um, Lowe had sued Gibson. Uh, blah 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 blah. He accused Gibson of lying. Um, rubbed, no, Lowe, not so Lowe. No. <laughs> um, in her countersuit, Gibson alleged she had been sexually harassed by the 44-year-old uh, Emmy-nominated actor. The list of things Gibson has accused Lowe of is quite long. That's the list that's quite long. Mm-hmm. Uh, from putting his hands inside her pants, grabbing her, quote, backside, exposing his private area to her, and um, engaging in uh, a self-gratification uh, in front of her. She was or he was? He was. Oh. Engaging in self-gratification in front of her and also showing her pornographic material. Uh, so, um... Her own movies? I don't... So, it's, it's, un, it's unclear. So what was she? She was a nanny? A nanny. Uh, and also she accuses Roblo's wife of walking around the house nude all the time. So there oh, you go. So that's... All right. $18 an hour. Really? I know a lot of people who... I mean, I'm not saying these allegations are true. Roblo says they're not. Uh, but I'm just... I know many people who would consider that some sort of an added bonus. That would be a, a sort of benefit, one might say. A perk. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, uh, a way you could be sexually abused as an adult is uh, somebody wanting to have sex in a really uncomfortable place, like the back of a Volkswagen? Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much. Here's Tim Richie, what does the deal with Mr. Skin? What is the... uh... Oh, dude, really? Oh, it's... Because, you know, we didn't... You know, we completely forgot last week. He's going to hate us. Scotty. Scotty, Scotty, Scotty. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, from Canada comes word, St. John, New Brunswick police spent an hour last night trying to get an intoxicated man down from her rooftop. They uh, reached the home to find a man dancing on the roof. The man then took off his clothes and danced the bunny hop across the roof while slapping his buttocks. <laughs> what the, you... the man was drinking out of a bucket and said it was tequila. <laughs> Despite police efforts to convince the man to come down, he remained on the roof till a friend arrived and talked him out of it. I don't know what you're talking about. Can you please just read the whole story again without elaboration? I wasn't elaborating. I was reading. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Just do it one more time in sort of a through line. Okay. St. John, New Brunswick police spent an hour last night trying to get an intoxicated man down from her rooftop. Police arrived at the home to find the man dancing on the roof. The man then took his clothes off and danced the bunny hop across the roof while slapping his buttocks. The man was drinking out of a bucket and said it contained tequila. <laughs> Fantastic. Despite police efforts to convince the man to come down, he remained on the roof until a friend talked him down. Wonderful. He was arrested and charged with indecent exposure and causing a disturbance. That sounds like somebody I want to be friends with. Seriously, that sounds like a guy who's probably a good time. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, <laughs> let me do this. Let me read this pamphlet uh, about dating an older man. Uh, then we'll take a break. We'll come back. Jim Roop, top five guitar pop songs, and so forth. So where did you get this, Sarah? Uh, I was talking to Big Jim from the Marconi, from the Marconi, show? Marconi show. And I saw, uh, we were chatting because I'm going to go on their show today for a few minutes. So where did you see where he got it from? This is clearly some God pamphlet. It's like one of those things from a church. Uh, this is It is from ETR Associates. How would a priest know about dating an older man? Well, Tim, sometimes, <laughs> the, sometimes the Monsignor comes to town. Oh, that's true. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes Cardinal... What is that guy's name? The cardinal yesterday, Cardinal Louis, the fourteenth, Louis Louis the Fingers or whatever. I'm not sort of, sure. The sort of weird thug cardinal they were talking about yesterday. I thought they would know about dating a younger man, but an older one. That's not really dating. That's uh, never mind. I was going to make a rob. <laughs> this is going to make a rob low joke. Um, so this is uh, from some, some some sort of a church, and it's a pamphlet all about dating a, an older man. And on the front is what must be called a really trashy girl who I don't. Know, I guess I guess she's supposedly underage, or she's 
I guess you're not not of legal uh, fornicating age. So you open this up and it says first thing, why do girls date older guys? And then there's a series of uh, of girls very carefully chosen to represent all ethnicities and backgrounds. <laughs> so there's a black girl, a white girl, and an Asian girl, yeah. all giving their reasons as to why they might be dating an older man. Uh, Kendra, uh, the 16-year-old black girl, says, My boyfriend is 28. I really like it that he's older than me. We have a real relationship. I learn a lot from him. Besides, I can't relate to boys my age. Here's the thing about this pamphlet. A, it doesn't seem real. B, it doesn't seem real. I didn't think it was real. No, no, no. It's completely real. There's like a whole, uh, there's a whole website and everything. Who was the writer? I, th- I believe she had a really no, hilarious she's name. the best name. The pamphlet is written by Marsha Quackenbush, <laughs> which sounds <laughs> like Quackenbush twins. <laughs> which sounds like something that that Daisy Duck would be diagnosed with. Um, so uh, we've got to, uh, but. I don't know if this still happens. So, Sarah, you might know this. You went to high school later than I did. But when I was in high school, there were these, there was always one girl in high school that was dating a college guy. Uh, and the guy, and I don't know if that still happened when you were in high school, but I clearly remember a girl named Stacy when I was in high school. And she was, I mean, we were like seniors. I mean, I think she was like a freshman or a sophomore. And she was dating some guy who was a college student. And his name, he had some weird Swedish name, Hergen Fliegen or whatever. And it's and he would come to the dances and everything with her. Uh, and so it would be like, who are you taking to the spring formal? Huh, Bob from homeroom. Who are you taking? Jeff from science class. Who are you taking? Hergen Fliegen from the college down the road. And Hergen Fliegen was like 23 or something. And I don't think she could have been more than 16. Huh. So I don't know that that still happened. Well, when I was a senior, I dated that. a guy who... Well, was just just still living in Burbank. Maybe he was a year older than now, me. Now, were, were you of age? Mm. Well, what's of age? 18? No, 17. Was he of age? He was like, well, he was a year before me, so he was like 19. Interesting. And nobody said anything about that? No. Hmm. Wait, that's, no. I mean, that's, I think that's in Bremerton, it's kind of, people are just kind Bremerton, of trapped there. In Bremerton Valley. I mean, people just graduate, and I hung out with the same people that I hung out with my junior year. Like, all my friends were seniors, and nobody really went off to do anything. So a whole bunch still... of crabs in one big bucket. So when I was, yeah, so when I was a senior, everyone was going to Olympic College, the community college. I guess maybe in a town like that, or in a town like Kenwick, maybe you make allowances for the fact that really nobody can leave. So, I mean, you got, you got to draw from the pool that you have. Uh, let's see here. Um, this girl says, uh, Trish says it made her feel very grown up and independent to date a guy who was eight years older than she was. How old is Trish? Uh, Trish is 17. The guy is presumably 25. Um, How is this legal to even make this pamphlet? I don't really know. Because uh, the girl, Kendra, who's 16 and she's talking about her 28-year-old boyfriend. Yeah, yeah Kendra. They're, they're being thrown out the window of the Popemobile as it circulates through D.C. <laughs> today. The, um, let's see. What do you stand to gain if you date guys your own age? Uh, let's see. Um. Uh, Trish says that she likes doing, quote, silly, really out there stuff. At first, I think the older guy was attracted to that, but then he was always telling me to stop because I was embarrassing him. Now I'm dating a guy who's just my age and we have fun, and then they have the, then the brochure gives a little helpful advice. Independence. You don't have an older boyfriend telling you how to talk, dress, or think. You can try out ideas and attitudes and learn about your... Yes, because guys your own age never do that. You'll never find anybody your own age that's domineering, manipulative, and controlling. That's only older guys. Uh, let's see here. What else? Um, I have two really close girlfriends, Suzette and Erica. We've done fun stuff together since we were little. When we started dating, our boyfriends joined us. But then Erica got involved with this older guy. 
We don't see much of Erica anymore. <laughs> Erica has been Erica has been sold into the white slave trade. Seriously, that's what it sounds like. She was never to be heard from Erica's again. Erica is at the bottom of the ocean in a glad bag. Uh, let's see. Blah to the blah, blah blah. In the beginning, blah blah blah. Bought me off. This is much less interesting. I thought it would no, be. The other side. The other side's interesting. Let's see. What do you want in a relationship? Some things can be harder for girls who are dating older guys. Inviting your boyfriend to family events. Having your boyfriend and your other friends spend time together. Here's a creepy Wait, one. what is this? This is, what do you want in a relationship? And then it's, uh, they're asking you... Do you want a boyfriend so all your friends will spend time with your boyfriend? It, it says, which of these things do you want in a relationship? And then they list a bunch of things which presumably can't happen if you're dating an older guy. So it says, which of the following oh, things... Oh, so this is anti-dating an older guy. No, it's not for... Did you think it was a whole pamphlet about how to get, how to have sex with an I older man? Kendra sounded very happy with her 28-year-old boyfriend. <laughs> I enjoy sexual relations with my 30-year-old married boyfriend very much. Um, he finds my nubile body quite attractive and pleasing. No, this is no. It's a whole. How is that negative? Yes, though? it's a whole pamphlet. <laughs> it's a. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, give me. Can I? How to have her? illegal sex with an older man? All right. Brought to you by. These are not negative testimonials. Marsha Quackenbush says it's great. There's a great there's a great statement there. Uh there's a great statement there though where it says, "Do you want an older man who loves you for who you are, not just because you have a young body?" All right. Uh, okay. My boyfriend doesn't like to use condoms. I've had a couple pregnancy scares, but it's turned out okay. Maybe I should worry. I don't want to get all negative about the relationship. It's I'd rather focus on what's good about. It. Kendra's a hoe. <laughs> Look, this is Kendra again. Thanks Kendra, the slut. All right. Kendra, Kendra, what are you doing? Kendra the Skis has this to say. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi. Hey. I have a I have a son that when he was just turned 18, his, his girlfriend was only 16, mm -hmm. and we had the problem of finding out the age of consent. And in Oregon, it is 18 across the board, whether you're a boy and a boy, a girl and a girl, or a boy and a girl. So they were so, so it legal. was against the law for them to have relations. Yes, it is. It's physical relations. Do you uh? And then they can become registered sex offenders if they get caught. For now, the did, did you have to give now, the, the weird thing though? That must have been weird though because they would if when he was seventeen and she was whatever fifteen or sixteen, it was legal. But right. then it became illegal the instant he turned eighteen. Exactly. And well, that's kind really of weird. Hard. It's not fair, but it's not right. You know, but that's the law. They have to be eighteen across the board. So, and he has a young sister. So what do you do? You know, he becomes a registered sex offender, has to move out of the house, has to get permission to come to parties. That's not right. You know, she should but be dating. Been on the news. Yeah, that girl should be dating somebody her own age, so she can invite him to family events and have a chance to make her own decisions without the pressure of an older man. Yep. So luckily now he's past that and on with an older girl now. So All, right. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. That was creepy. I don't even know what that was. That was V for Vendetta. No, right. Oh, that's right. Oh, and it says here, which of these things do you want in a relationship? And this one, knowing your boyfriend likes you for who you are, not just because you have a young body. <laughs> that's just really creepy. Thank you, oh, uh, genius. Marsha uh, Quackenbush. All right. That's the best thing to come out of this entire pamphlet. Marsha Quackenbush. I need to look at this because I still don't understand how there this is go. negative. All right. There you go. Sarah Dillon is wholeheartedly in favor of this. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Jim Rooper on the corner. Top five guitar pop songs. More from Tim Riley and more about Listen to Party 2008, Emerson's 11. Stay there.
Rick Emerson radio program. Coming up uh, later on, more from Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth, top five guitar pop songs. All right. So if I sound a little distracted during that last segment, it's because about 1.15 or so, I saw on the screen from Richie, he was just a little note, next break, call your wife. And of course, as everybody on the show, everybody on the show has the discussion with their significant other or whoever, whoever might call the, uh, you know, don't call me during the, don't call me during the show unless it's something important. Yep. Especially if it's during a time when I can't pick up the phone and actually talk to you. So if I see on the screen like call wife as soon as you go to break, then I immediately assume like the house has burned down, the dog has been hit by a paint truck, uh, and everybody in the uh, you know family has cancer. So. So we do that whole segment from 1.15 to 1.30. I'm looking at the screen going, I wonder what my wife called about. What's gone wrong? Who's dead? Then we go to break at the bottom of the hour at 1.30, and I call, and of course there's no answer. So I call all the way through the 1.30 break, uh, trying to get a hold of my wife. No answer. Goes to voicemail, and I'm thinking, well, that's it. She had cancer, and now she's dead. It's Between the time she left the message and now, she's been stricken, and she's uh, on, her way to, on her way to be cremated as we speak. Is so, that why you couldn't make radio gold out of what should have been? I couldn't take the comedy stylings of Marsha Quackenbush and really make them all that I might have been. All right, so, so is everything okay? Yeah, so no. So yeah, after 45 minutes, just now during the top of the hour break, I call, she answers, and it's she just wants to yell at me for not putting enough gas in the truck. <laughs> she wanted to yell at me for leaving the truck on empty. So there you go. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. I got yelled at for that exact same thing this morning. That's what I'm talking about. Exact same thing. Right. How could you not put gas in that van? Uh, that was real easy. I just passed the gas station. <laughs> well, and I said, I gave the honest answer. I said, well, you, you know, um, and, and, I, and I told her, I said, I said maybe the wrong thing. I said, uh, I said, well, you know, honey, I very, very rarely leave the truck on empty or the car on empty because you know how much I hate it when you do it because she does it constantly. And... So, uh, but I did, but here's the answer. She goes, well, you could have filled it last night on the way home. And I said, I did, this is true. Although it sounds like Alana said, yes, but you know, I got out of work really late last night and I just wanted to come straight home and see you. So, which is, which is true, but it doesn't, it, that, that's one of those statements that is true, but doesn't sound true. You I know, just forget. I don't, I, I don't look at the gas gauge. Well, that's my thing too. Like, as, uh, you know, especially at the end of the day when you're kind of zoning out, you know, at the end of the day, you're in a little bit of a, a haze. And, you know, I'm driving home, and I just say, well, you know, I was getting out of work late. I just wanted to come straight home, honey. And, and she's like, uh-huh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and, and so as you know, as you know, that one act of forgetting to fill that tank up negates all the good stuff you've yes. done since the last bad thing you did. Oh, I know. Because you're only as good as the last bad thing you've done. I could have pointed out that I was distracted by thinking about how I was going to come back and do this program to earn money for the family, but I didn't say that oh, either. Oh, God. That, that doesn't fly in my house. <laughs> I was too busy working on show prep so I can come help us have a fruitful yeah. life. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, I was making sure you can eat next week. <laughs> That's a, you know, and here's the other thing. Here's the other thing I did not say. This is see, I'm going to be in so much more trouble now. Uh, but you know, you listening? probably aren't they always? <laughs> that's the thing. They always are. Aren't they, even though you tell them not to, the aren't one they that, always? Especially on the days when, uh, yeah, I mean, especially, and you know, there's especially in the days when they shouldn't be, and even after re- repeated, well. repeated, please, like, don't listen to the show. Just don't. Um, you know, she was at the. She was, here's the thing. She had the truck. And the truck is on empty, and she found this out as she was on her way to the dentist today. I did not also stop to point out that the reason she's able to go to the dentist is because she's on the dental plan provided by CBS Radio. Thank you. Oh, Rick. I'm just saying. 
I'm just in my own defense. I'm just making the observation. Just... I didn't well, put the... the nozzle in the hole yourself, lady. I didn't. That's Jim Roof who said that. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I think, uh, you know what it is? That was uh, you projecting a little bit right there. That was, uh, you weren't really talking to my wife. I was just talking there. to my wife. Yeah. So, uh, I swear I was talking to my wife. I didn't put gas in the tank. marriage sounds like fun, you guys. I didn't put gas in the tank, but I did uh, pay for all your dental work this morning. Marriage is fun for the woman. <sighs> so, see, Sarah, so go ahead. Plunge on in. Yeah. You're <laughs> this, safe. This fence is great, Sarah. Come whitewash yeah. it. It's a lot of fun. All right. Well, in any event. So, <laughs> well, let's talk about another. Let's talk about somebody's having a worse week. Let's talk about Rob Lowe. Uh, oh, my God. So we were just talking about this. So please to explain, what is the deal with this girl who says she's being, her words, assaulted sexually by Rob Lowe, but then, like, keeps going back and taking a job there again? Well, she did it for the kids. And for the $18 an hour. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it, so what is, I mean... Journalistically speaking, what is what is your read on this case? Well, Gloria Allred's involved. Oh well, so it's a story representing who? The woman. Well, there you go. That I and, think that tells us a and lot. She of course, she of course, believes wholeheartedly in her client. Mm -hmm. um, and and the fact that Rob Lowe has filed suits against these women before because they were she was trying to embezzle money from him, so he says. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one uh, was spreading rumors about him now. If if the stuff was true, would you file a lawsuit against these people? You'd want to keep that quiet, right? Yes. So I'm thinking maybe there's something on Rob Lowe's side here. Well, I mean, it just seems a little um, it just seems a little odd that I mean, look, I, I don't care how nice the kids are. Uh, and again, I'm not claiming that Rob Lowe did anything, but let's say I'm in some other situation, some other family. Let's say I'm working for the uh, you know the the Finkelsteins. Uh, and Mr. Mr. Finkelstein keeps holding me down and raping me. Uh, I don't really care how great their, their dogs, their dogs or their kids are. I'm going to choose to seek employment elsewhere. Yes. So you know that's just it. Just seems we don't know the, the you know the outcome. I'm just saying it just seems suspicious. It seems like there's a lot of odd and sort of unanswered questions. I here. think what they're hoping for is that Rob Lowe to make it go away will just settle right. or whatever. Because that's the M.O. I don't think Gloria Allred has seen the inside of a courtroom in a thousand years. Is that true? Because she's a thousand and six. You know, she uh, represented one of Tom Likas's uh, ex-wives in their divorce. Did they ever go to court? I don't know, but try to imagine Gloria Allred and Tom Likas debating. <laughs> I mean, I'd buy tickets to that. I'd pay any price. I'd pay Golden Circle price for that. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. Anyway. But she's an interesting bird, that Gloria Allred. She, she really is. I wonder about her sometimes. I really do. I just, as it, we were talking about her actually just pretty recently. I forget who the hell she was representing. Some well, other. Well, there some lawsuits she takes on, and you go, you say, go ahead. That's all right. I'm glad you're behind those people. You know, and then there's like this one. And and I really, you know, you look at Gloria Allred, and you sort of wonder, like, how does she happen? Like, what happens to create her? And I mean, you know, when she was born, she was presumably, you know, just a, just a nice, sweet, gentle soul like everybody else. Her daughter seems nice. She's on uh, True TV, or what it used to be called, Court TV. Really? Do, that show. Gloria Allred has reproduced. She is. A, she's a nice-looking uh, young lady. Is Gloria Allred married? I believe either she is or has been. Mm. Well, I know where my money is, but uh, I just... <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, there's somebody for everybody, I guess, <laughs> At least, even temporarily. Well, she didn't always look the way she does. Well, 
Maybe I not. Always look the way I do. Maybe not on the outside. I think on the inside, Gloria already has always been one particular shade of black. That's just my guess. All well, right. she has a purpose in this world, Rick, and I suppose she's part of God's divine plan. Some sort of there's always chaos. Some sort of hideous way. Well, all right, all right. Uh, big plans for your afternoon, weekend, whatever. No, absolutely none. Zero zip. I'll be all right. In well. The yard again. I'm sorry? I'll be working in the yard again. Well, as always, hoist one for the Rick Emerson faithful, sir. I'll hoist two for you. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. There you go. Code monkey, get up, get coffee. Code monkey, go to job. Code monkey, have boring meeting with boring manager Rob. Rob say, Code monkey, very diligent, but his output stinks. His code not functional or elegant. What do Code monkey think? Code monkey think maybe manager wanna write goddamn login page himself. He have long walk back to cubicle. He sit down and to work. Good monkey not thinking. So straight, cool monkey not feeling. So straight, cool monkey like Fritos. Good monkey like Cabin Mountain Dew. Good monkey, very simple man. Uh, that's Jonathan Colton. 
That is the theme to the show Code Monkeys. And he's going to be in studio, right? He's going to be in studio uh, a week from this Friday. Uh, so this coming Friday, day after tomorrow, uh, we're going to talk to two of the three guys that did the Raiders of the Lost Ark shot by shot adaptation uh, back in 1981 through 1988, I guess. So they're going to be in the studio this Friday. Uh, next Monday, Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Next Tuesday, Charlie Murphy. And next Friday, a uh, week from this Friday, Jonathan Colton, uh, who is going to be playing at the Mission Theater tonight. He's going to be in the studio with us and do uh, a couple of favors with his musical stylings. Still to come this hour, top five guitar pop songs. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your personal savior. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. It's hard to believe it's spring when the snow level is going to drop to 500 feet in the next few days. So all you people who live in those nice homes, you're going to have snow in your yard. It'll be like a winter wonderland. This is, I, this here, I'm just making a clean break of it. Turning over a new leaf, and I'm not going to ask where 500 feet is. 500 feet is in the uh, West Hills. Of course. <laughs> of course it is. See, and I just added, inadvertently asked again, and you gave me the same answer you always do. It uh, doesn't matter, though, because Sarah uh, gave me a container of Easy Mac. That was given to me by Shad. Oh, I'm going to eat this immediately following the program. Hmm. <laughs> Hi, Tim. How you doing? Hi. I'm fine. Well, an unconscious woman is saved by a man who fell 25 feet and landed on top of her. Yes, a 57-year-old woman has been rescued from the bottom of an elevator shaft. James Wilhelm fell 25 feet down the same shaft and landed on top of her. Wait, hold on. You're telling me a woman with the last name of Wilhelm fell 25 feet down an elevator shaft? Right, it's in Germany. The 27-year-old wasn't injured in the fall and was able to summon help for the woman. Authorities say that even though Wilhelm's caused serious additional injuries oh. when she fell on top of her... I suck. Uh, the woman's life was saved. She was taken to the hospital with internal bleeding and is in critical condition. But she's still alive. It sounds bizarre, but Wilhelm's fell down on her. His weight caused additional damage to her body... But without that, she could have laid there for days because nobody would have known she was at the bottom of an elevator Wait, shaft. So, hold on. So you're telling me... Um, I can't find a single one. Wait, hold on. So you're telling me that, that this person named Wilhelm yes. fell uh, down an elevator shaft. That, that is correct. And what's the... Uh, what's the, And their, their name is what? Her name is Wilhelms. Jens Wilhelms. Damn it. What's wrong? Nothing's working. Hold on. Wait, and uh, so she fell down an elevator shaft. She did. This person. Mm-hmm. And uh, her last name is what? Wilhelms. I'm sorry. Okay, that was just the longest. God damn. We should really have that. I was just going to say, I can't believe we don't just have that sitting around. I've, I'm I'm filled with shame. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, I'm going to save that right now. I, Tim, I'm so sorry. About what? Nothing, then. Never mind. Don't you worry about it. All right. Wilhelm.wave. Save. Hold on one second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to load that up uh, right now into uh, this audio file. All right. Okay. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Here's a nifty little Florida story. From where? Florida. Palm Beach County authorities say a man who jumped out of a stolen U-Haul died when it ran over his head. Uh, Willie Lee Thomas III was taken to the hospital where he was pronounced dead at the scene. The 24-year-old Rivera Beach man was trying to run away from police after somebody called 911 to report that his truck was stolen. The caller said he was following the thief. 
The police got up with the U-Haul and tried to pull it over, but the driver spit away. He then jumped out and was run over by the truck. Then he crashed into a tree. They found a gun inside. Time for a clown watch. Uh, here's your clown watch, clown watch. for uh, Wednesday of the Rick Emerson Show. So sorry. Here's your clown watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Show. Well, you see, Alexander Zacharias often worked as a clown at children's birthday parties, which is alarming since they arrested the Westbury man on charges of promoting sexual performance of a child. Police say Zacharias used home computers to receive and distribute hundreds of images of child pornography and child erotica. I think clowns might be the, might be the new priests. Mm-hmm. But uh, police confirmed the arrest of the man was the result of an executed search warrant at his home where they said they seized numerous desktop and notebook computers. It was unclear, however, whether police knew before the arrest that Zacharias worked as a part-time clown part -time for clown. parties or whether they learned of that after he was arrested. He was charged with uh, felony counts of promoting sexual performance of a child and nine felony counts of possession of sexual performance of a child. He'll be arraigned tomorrow in district court in Hampstead. There's your clown watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson. Now I'm just compensating. So what kind of flavors does this Easy Mac come in? My favorite is triple cheese. It comes in triple cheese and original and um, Alfredo and bacon. And, you know, every now and again, uh, they do, uh, they'll do some sort of, like, there's an Alfredo, like a white sauce kind of a, a pasta. Like, I, that was one of the flavors. Oh, I'm sorry. I must have missed it. I'm sorry, I was distracted by this thing. Somebody just sent me a, John, a Jonathan Colton thing. Uh, so people are now already sending me questions. I was talking to the woman who does the booking for Jonathan Colton, and, and she kind of said, it was it was it was actually really well timed. She said what she sent me an email. She's like, okay, what kind of a show do you do? And in response, I didn't even describe the show. I just sent her a link to that Portland Tribune article where it's me and standing next to Boba Fett. And I said, really, the picture kind of says it all, but you can read the article and tell about it. So she's like, oh, sounds perfect. So oh, good. So uh, yeah. So Jonathan Colton will be in the studio with us a week from Friday. Here is uh, Tim Riley. A medical staff from the Philippines may be fired for taping the removal of a perfume canister from a man's anus and then posting it on the YouTube. The video shows the medics pointing cell phones at the man during the operation. We have to investigate first to determine the facts. If true, the staff concern should, of course, be made answerable to the full extent of violating the patient's rights of privacy and confidentiality, says Undersecretary Alexander Padilla. The clip has been removed from YouTube, and Padilla said the staff also risk having their licenses revoked. Okay. That's the top of the news. <laughs> is there other news? I'm sure there is. Are we going to hear it now, or do we have to wait? Uh, you have to wait. All right. Shall we do the top five? Yes. Let's Ladies and gentlemen, here's your top five for Wednesday on the five, Rick Emerson Radio Program. Four, three, two, one, fire. For counting is marvelous, counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness, counting is ecstasy, I love to count. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here is your top five for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. And in the annals of popular music, I... The annals, I'm sorry, think of the last third. The annals of popular music, <laughs> a much loved but sometimes tricky genre called guitar pop. It's sometimes not given its due. 
What is it? <laughs> Who are the practitioners? You asking? <laughs> oh, no, me too. Uh, what is it? Who are the practitioners? Uh, are there more sterling examples? Are you are you asking? I uh, am. Yeah. We're going to find out together here. I suppose. As we enlighten the community. Join us as we count down the top five guitar pop songs of all time. And uh, so it should be noted here as we, be, as we begin answering the question, who am I? Why am I here? Gridlock. Um, so I was talking to Chris Paddock this morning uh, from KUFO, who is uh, sort of a, you know, uh, the fellow high-fidelity nerd. Uh, and... Um, so we were talking about guitar pop stuff, and I had only come up with about four of these, three of these, and I kind of needed some brainstorming on the others. And he, he and I started got into this long discussion about what is guitar pop as opposed to just pop, as opposed to just a normal song with a guitar in it. And we decided that guitar pop, the phrase, sort of implied a certain deafness or lightness of touch or a sort of fluidity uh, in the song. In other words, that it couldn't just be too heavy sounding. Uh, because sort of in a post-Weezer era... Guitar pop just sounded like a lot like really melodic hard rock. Like if you think about the song like Buddy Holly or the Sweater Song, where it doesn't really sound pop, it just sounds like this really thick, loud, heavy guitar that's just sort of dun 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 dun. And so for it to be guitar pop, it had to have a it had to have a certain lightness to it to the sound. Does that make you... Are you satisfied now, Tim? Where are these discussions conducted? In one, <laughs> in I've Su never heard such a... Really? Actually, in Susan's office while she was trying to do actual work. Okay. Uh, so she was in there talking to Paddock about something. No, it's not that I doubt your word on this. No, I'm just telling and you. And who decided this? Who uh, decided these songs? Well, I, there's a song in here that I was kind of thinking about last night, and I thought, oh, you know, we got to do guitar pop. Um, and so I came in this morning, and I had three of the songs, but I was trying to figure out the rest. And I walked by Susan's office... And Chris Paddock was in there, and I know he's like a big music nerd. And, the, and I said, hey, top five guitar pop songs. And, you know, he and I immediately started kind of going back and forth about it. And at one point, Susan, I, literally, she just sort of disengaged, and she looked down and started writing. And we said, what do you know? She goes, I'm just doing my grocery list. Don't worry about me. So I think she and Chris had actually been doing actual work until I hijacked the whole conversation with the guitar pop thing. But he he shared my assessment that guitar pop songs must be, must be uh, pre-Weezer. Uh, uh, sort of the pre-Butch Vig era, after which everything just kind of caught too heavy sounding. I guess I agree with that. Excellent. These are the top five guitar pop songs of all time. Honorable mention goes to September Girls by the Big Stars. Big Star is one of those bands that didn't have uh, a lot of hits in the sort of top 40 sense. Hugely influential, though. Big Star is a band that really casts a big shadow, too. They're one of those bands that you may not have heard of, but you've heard a million bands that exist because of them. You know, So every Big Star record sold like a thousand copies, but every single person who bought one of their records started their own band. Kind of a Tom Petty thing sort of going on there. Kind of the top five guitar pop songs of all time. Number five, Last Train to Clarksville by the Monkees. Oh, I love this song. I think, yeah, this is another one that I think, uh, I thought about this because I think he was mentioning, I don't know, the Gin Blossoms or something. 
And I started thinking about this. The other thing that guitar pop songs typically have to have is a jangling sound. I think that's really the only way to describe it. The, the guitar has to jangle. This is a great song. You know, I normally... Re- this doesn't matter to anybody listening right now, unless you're listening on the stream. But I normally reduce everything down to mono. And so, but this is still in stereo, so here on the headphones I can hear the stereo separation. Tim Riley, who's singing lead on this? Mike Nesmith? No. David Jones? No. Peter Torres? <laughs> wow, you did. You, you had four chances to get it right, and you absolutely you never did. Well done. That's almost imp- That's almost impressive. You picked every single person in the band except the right answer. <laughs> well, ask me another. Mickey, Mickey Dolenz. <laughs> well, uh, they tried to. It's really a beautiful song. It almost sounds... I, I always am confused on what Neil Diamond wrote for these guys and what he didn't, but this also sounds like a Neil Diamond song. It does. Counting on the top five guitar pop songs of all time. Number four, Feel a Whole Lot Better by the Birds. Uh, Tom Petty did a pretty great cover of this a few years back. That whole, uh, that Rickenbacker sound. And which monkey is singing lead here? Sorry. Are you trying to make a mockery of me? Yes, I am. You do not mock Mr. Riley. I'm trying to make a monkey out of you, Tim. Please continue. Okay, Bapsmins. <laughs> Counting down the top. <laughs> what? I don't even know what you're referring to now. Not at all. People are... Remember you call me little, Babs? Remember <laughs> the little details of my career that are long forgotten by everyone except for you? <laughs> all right. Top five guitar pop songs of all time. Number three, the breakup song by Greg Kiln. I love the song. I love the song so much. One of the best songs ever written. I love the song so much. <laughs> do I, you, Tim? You might be fibbing. Do you? It's the Greg Kid Band. This song ought to be much more famous than it is. You go up to the average person with Greg Kinn breakup sound, breakup song. They kind of go. Eh. Everybody knows my love's in jeopardy. It's one of the best songs ever recorded. Drums? I was. Yeah. Were you doing it mockingly? No, I used to do it when I played this song. Really? Are you a fan of this song? I was back in my uh, earlier days. Are you now? Man, it's it's acceptable background noise. <laughs> that really describes our whole show. <laughs> it's true. I love this song. I could listen to this song all day, over and over. I ended up not putting that song on Sarah that you and I were talking about this morning, largely because I forgot. So it was a really good choice. It was. It was a good choice. I just forgot. Counting down the top five guitar pop songs of all time. 
Number two, Your Love by the Outfield. <gasps> How great is this song? And I hit we, already, we played this as a bump today. Yeah, we did. We played the punk version of it. Uh-huh. But you see what I mean about the guitar? How it's a good, you know, you can really hear the guitar there. It's a guitar-based song, but it doesn't have that big, hard rock sound that like a Weezer song would. It's kind of light feeling. It has that, you know, sort of a deftness in the guitar. I love this song. This is a, a nearly perfect song. The song still holds up, too. Number three. I don't know what else it says. This is number two. Oh, number two? Okay. I think these guys are Australian. Top five guitar pop songs of all time. Uh, before we do number one, so uh, so Sarah and I uh, both agree now that Summer of '69 should have been on this list. So uh, uh, Chris Paddock and I sort of agreed on number one, even though we're both I don't want to say sick of it. It's a song we both haven't heard enough in our lives, but you can't really take away the fact that it kind of created, in many ways, the commercially viable power pop uh, song. Tim Riley, number one, My Sharona by the Knack. I mean, it's, you can't take anything. It's, it's my Sharona, number one for nine weeks, billion seller. Just tainted with the reality bike. Totally, exactly. But I mean, this is this is the song that really made power pop viable as a commercial music form. I almost chose uh, "Good Girls Don't" by the Knack, but this is really the the better song. This is a good choice. <laughs> It is the Rick Emerson Show. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. like this, you're a bad American and a bad human being. Are we going to get to that where I met you part? Oh, I hope so. Yeah! Oh, this is such a great song. 
so shocked to learn that Brian Adams actually did that song because I knew him from everything I do. I do it for you. Oh, yeah. No, it's uh, Brian Adams is another one of those guys that you don't you, you, you forget how many songs he's done that you know. At least at least you became of age in a certain era. If you listen to, to classic rock radio anyway, because he did, you know he's done everything I do it for you, and he did um, can't stop this thing we started. And do you remember all for one and all for all love? for one and all for well, love. Was this that horrible Three Musketeers movie? Yeah. And who are the other two artists? Oh God, I don't even remember. Oh, I do. I bet you do. Uh, there and here's here's oh, that's a terrible song. <laughs> it is. That's an awful song. God <laughs> damn it! Why did you put that in my head? I was a DJ when that came out, and I had to play it. Um, I was a top I forty DJ. Do it, do it for you, though. But you know, they were totally trying to pick up on the uh, everything was, I do, I do it for you success. Because it was right after it. I remember. Yeah. Like, oh, I have to ha- own everything that Brian Adams has done. And the record company was sort of like, how can I ring more out of this? Um, because they sent us with that. All for one and all for love song. Tell me you're looking for right now. Oh, of course I am. Yeah. Come on. They would send out the press, you know, the media kit to the stations, and they'd say, your station, this is what they would send us. They would say, your station should get some ass, because the initials of the three artists were A, S, and S. Oh, God, you're so right. Brian Adams, Sting, and Rod Stewart. And so they'd say, does your, is your station, you know, does your station getting ass... You know, or whatever. Serious. That was it. Was, uh, give give ass to your listeners, and that was like their edgy marketing campaign uh, for the song. It's a terrible song. And Brian Adams is so handsome, even in all this pockmarked glory. Is that is that true? Well, wasn't even the one who was getting on with Lindsay Lohan. I mean, allegedly. <gasps> when she fell in his bathroom and had to go to the emergency room, she like, broke her ankle or something. Yeah, but it was it was like no one really knew that Lindsay Lohan was spending all of her time with Brian Adams until she had to go to the hospital because she broke something. It was like in other news, this happened at Brian Adams's house. It's so weird. Yeah, I thought that was a typo. I thought maybe it was Ryan Adams. No, he also. By the way, you want to talk about a guy that's a it's a humorless dick? Is Ryan Adams? Uh, because he he came to the Roseland a while back, and there was a there was a guy going. Play Summer of 69! People always do that. You know what? I've he read interviews with him. the show and would not play until the security kicked the guy out. That's what an ass Ryan Adams is. F him. Ryan Adams just has a big head. I don't, I've never douche. heard anything of what he's performed. He's, I'm not interested you know, in it. No, you know what? It's secretly not very good. Yeah. That's the thing about... And I know all the alt... The No Depression Country guys are like screaming at the... No! It, no! It, Ryan Adams is... Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get myself into. He trouble. looks like he has like a big watery baby head. <laughs> and I'm gonna get myself into the audience in trouble with the audience if I keep talking. But why is, does he have a huge cult well, following? Well, yeah, but it's like but it's like my. No, I don't even want to say it. But by if, like Dave Matthews bands aficionado. Well, I was gonna say a specific person we know that has kind of pretentious music taste, but I um, no. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Um, but you know what? But it's the same guys. And look, no disrespect. If you like them, fine. But it's the same guys that are like really into Wilco. No, 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 dude, you got to get Wilco. Well, I don't really, their songs aren't really good. Yeah, but they're challenging. No, if you listen to them over and over, you discover they reward repeated listens. And you're like, but I don't like it. But no, it's really good. That, But that's the code they use. If you listen to something and you don't like it, the code that music hipsters use is, no, 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 it rewards repeated listens. This, on the other hand, is instantly great. This is genius from Jump. The YouTube isn't buffering very fast today. Yeah. This is an 
awful song. God, and it has Chris O'Donnell in it. Whatever happened to that guy? I don't know. You know, I'm watching 13 Days, and it's a great movie, but um, uh, Kevin Costner has a truly terrible Boston accent in it, and it reminds me of that awful accent that he has in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, my God. I want to no see Robin Hood, left. Prince. I, I need to go to CD Game Exchange and purchase that Oh, it's today. a terrible movie. I it's, love it's that so movie. It's so much worse than you can remember. It's so much it worse than you can remember. It can't be any worse than Independence Day was saying it's, it again. <laughs> Kevin Costner and his stupid surf, surfer dude. When no, dude, in, we're going to go roll sheriff Nottingham. When I was in Vegas this weekend, and yeah, we were all hungover the next morning watching um, The Bodyguard was uh, on. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. Oh, God, yeah. and Kevin Costner's so wooden. Yeah. No, he's terrible. He's one of our worst actors. I mean, he makes David Duchovny look like Lawrence Olivier. It really is amazing. <laughs> he's one of the worst actors ever. I think we're done. I'm sorry. My apologies to those on hold. No I'm time sure to be one. A... All right. I know. The Final call mistake. of the day. It's all on you. Please don't suck. I have it, Rick. Uh, to the end of the uh, listener party name that you guys have already decided, you should add the word at the end, inches. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Okay, now that's gold. We're going. To, I'm not going to give him a chance to screw that up. Thank you. All right, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio. See her bitchin' new profile pic on the Space. Uh, in the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones. Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, is Dave Zinn. Webmistress is Bridget from upstairs. Director of Engineering, Brian Jones. And CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't F with me, Reynolds. We want to thank uh, Bob Costantini, Jim Roop, uh, and Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, join us tomorrow when our guests will include Dennis Pitsenbarger from Miles Around. Like us next, the Michael Mara Show at 7. As always, thank you for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Bye now. <laughs>